Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas Angui from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Emmanuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Pumpkin! Daft Pumpkin! Hello, robots big and small from around the world. It's time to get lucky because we're about to instant crush this episode. It's a live 2021 a Daft Punk podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Darren. I'm Devin. That's and my name. We are three best friends who cannot get enough of talking about the two Frenchest robots in the world. They are the Frenchest. That's 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 unanimous. That's a unanimous claim. That and they are the twoest. The world. They're the accepts. twoest robots in the world. Yes. The Frenchest robots in the world. You know, I I am shocked that that one time that Bender met Gold Bender, there was no Daft Punk reference because it's right there. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Real it's missed opportunity real. for those forty-eight-year-old Futurama writers twenty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> incredibly missed opportunity. They you made write them a letter. I'm gonna. I'm I'm actually drafting a, a complaint to Matt Groening right now because he cares. It's like when you get to the 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 nerd asking the voice of uh, itchy and scratchy like when you get to the basement level of the game um how come when you press this button it does the same note twice on the xylophone and homer's like what are you talking about <laughs> kicking off the daft punk podcast with simpson stuff yeah uh but um yeah that that was the other time that a silver robot and a gold robot came became best friends but this is the original time a silver robot and a gold robot became best friends it's daft punk and we are smacked dab in the middle of our random access memories coverage yeah we are this is uh, the access part this is the we access did part. the random part yeah now we did the access part now we've got the access because we're giving you access to all of the collaborators yeah on the record yeah we are the access hollywood of french dutch we're the yes. entertainment tonight of daft punk <laughs> <laughs> and that we're scouring the internet for bad things they said about. yeah um but yeah um this is our love letter to one of the best uh, albums of the 2010s. Yeah. So for those of you, maybe you're just joining in on this episode. Uh, we split uh, Random Access Memories uh, up into three episodes. So last week. So why are you listening to this one first? I mean, you can. Maybe you're into that stuff. You're allowed to, I guess. They're allowed to, Andy. <laughs> you're allowed to. So the, the first one we did last week was, uh, was, the, was the history. The history uh, where Andy did a full, beautiful report on the history of the album. Yeah, some I'm say too comprehensive. Too, yes, yeah, some, some, some anonymous people have said that. Some to anonymous us. people stop being yes. so comprehensive. Yeah, it's nice you're doing something comprehensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so many things that I've done in my life have been incomprehensive. <laughs> yeah, and incomprehensible. Yeah. And incomprehensible. So this is a comprehensive, comprehensible. Yeah, report. and yeah, uh, of my favorite band in the world. I have scoured the globe for every fact I can find about these two electronic music producers who i call friends <laughs> yeah no you should um so but this week we 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 split up uh this is the i mentioned it last week this is the first time splitting up the the research part of it uh so each of us took, so in uh, the yeah in the promote in the promotion leading up to the release of random access memories we talked about a lot of the other cool stuff they did the billboards the spots on snl the coachella um video Another promotion they did was release uh, in collaboration with Vice magazine 
a series of documents, uh, documentary style videos with a bunch of these big name people that they worked with on the album. So last week, if you go back, we um, we talked a lot about some of the session musicians they played with because some of those guys in their own right are legendary musical performers. Mm-hmm. This week, we're going to talk about the above the line folks. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, we we each scoured some of these videos and um, found some cool clips about these guys talking about their work with Daft Punk. Um, but yeah, I think um, we mentioned it last week that it was very <laughs> that was very important uh, for these guys to come become a couple at a couple angles for the people they wanted to work with for this record, right? Um, they've they finally had a chance to work with some of the most influential people in their career. So that includes Niall Rogers, right? Yep. So um, Sheik was the inspiration for the baseline of their first hit around the world or not first hit, but one of their, you know, one of yeah. their first global phenomenon songs around the world that Sheik, there's a, there's a Sheik record in the picture on the inside of the homework fold out like that's how important that band is we've talked over and over again about phantom of the paradise and how important that movie was so these guys see paul williams as a hero um giorgio Moroder uh invented disco he had the first ever number one uh hit that was used uh, made using only a synthesizer that he's incredibly important so there's the, all these old legends that they really wanted to work with we're gonna go through all those guys then there's um Contemporaries and peers, folks like Pharrell, who they've worked with a couple times, uh, or Panda Bear from Animal Collective, or uh, Julian Casablancas from The Strokes, uh, and we'll get into those. And then there's the the old friends uh, like DJ Falcon and Todd Edwards. We're going to go through them all. We're going to go through them all. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, we are going to go through the list of collaborators' videos in order. Do so you want to just get into it? Let's get into it. Uh, oh, before we do, um, we do uh, uh, we do have a website, alive2021.com. You can order one of our T-shirts there. Uh, it's got the pyramid on it, and it says two French robots. Very cool. It's Very great stylish. Shirt. Great shirt, if Very I do great say shirt. so myself. And we didn't get any fan mail this week, but we love uh, interacting with fans and um, connecting with people from around the world. We've gotten messages from like four of the seven continents or something crazy like yeah. that. Uh, uh, and if you want to connect with us and tell us a story about Daft Punk or share your love with, uh, uh, with us or correct a fact that we might have mentioned, uh, email us at info at alive2021.com. Yeah. Now we can get into it. Now we can get into it. So we're going in order. So that leaves, uh, that puts, uh, uh, me first. So the way that I, uh, we, like I said, we, we, we each did our own little thing. So the way that I structured uh, my three collaborators is I'm going to give like a little Wikipedia style over overview of the person. Um, and then I want to play some clips uh, that I pulled off of the collaborator video. And then I want us to talk about it. Uh, you know, for as much or as little as we want. Uh, very interesting people. Uh, but the first uh, collaborator video uh, we got is uh, Giovanni Giorgio Moroder. Uh, so uh, Giorgio Moroder, born uh, April 26, 1940. Uh, he's an Italian composer, songwriter, uh, record producer, uh, dubbed the father of disco. Uh, he's credited with pioneering Euro disco and electronic dance music. Um, 
in, in Munich in the 1970s, he started his own record label called Oasis Records. Uh, he's the founder of the former Musicland Studios in music uh, in, in Munich, uh, a recording studio used by many artists, including the Rolling Stones, ELO, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Queen, Elton John. Um, he produced singles for Donna Summer during the mid to late 70s, uh, including Love to Love You Baby, I Feel Love, Last Dance, MacArthur Park, Hot Stuff, uh, the, the list goes on. Love to Love You Baby, that song I mentioned earlier, the yeah. first ever number one hit using only a synthesizer. Um, so that's love a. Love to Love You Baby. Um, that's a. Um, you know that song. If, even if you don't know that song, you know that song. My parents love Donna Summer. Yeah. We yeah. talk about her a lot. That, that is one of the most important songs in the history of dance music, honestly. It is. Um, so during that, uh, that, that disco era, the seventies disco era, um, he also, uh, released many albums of his own, including from here to eternity in 1977 and E equals MC squared in 1979. Uh, but from there he began to compose film soundtracks and scores, um, including, uh, Midnight Express, American Gigolo, Superman three, Scarface, never ending story, uh, the 1984 restoration of Metropolis, um and uh Marota's work on Midnight Express. Uh, so wait, so the, his work with Daft Punk, not his first collaboration with robots. No, not his if he did the Metropolis. I was right. just, I, when you were saying a gold robot falls in love with a silver robot, I'm like, that sounds like Metropolis. <laughs> it does sound like Metropolis, right? <laughs> um so uh but notably Midnight Express contained uh Chase, uh which won him uh the Ad- Academy Award for Best Original uh, Score. Uh, and uh, the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. So, again, Chase is a, another important song uh, for uh, electronic music. Yeah. And for Daft Punk. And for yeah. Daft Punk. Um, uh, there's a really cool video online of, I believe it's the Australian, symph- or like the Sydney Symphist- Symphony Orchestra. Cool. Um, that The whole concert's online. It's like an hour and a half long, and it's just the, the music of Giorgio Moroder, and they go through his entire career – and they play, I don't know, like 30 of his songs. And, and the, the encore is Giorgio comes out and he does his vocal part. And they, they do the Daft Punk song. They do Giorgio by Baroder. And it's really cool. I highly recommend yeah, we'll, watching we'll, the whole thing. We'll abs- I'm absolutely going to check that out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for, uh, from there, um, Roder, uh, you know, he's worked with many, many performers. Uh, David Bowie, Kylie Minogue, uh, Janet Jackson. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, he's got Golden Globes. He's got uh, Academy Awards. Yeah, he's got four Grammys. He's got two People Choice Awards. Uh, he's got more than 100 Golden platinum discs. Uh, yeah, and uh, in two thousand four, it's one of those. He's, he's his name is one of those that could have been lost to the zeitgeist as just like one of those background guys who helped elevate this music into the stratosphere, but whose name was erased from history. Yeah. Right. I I truly believe that Daft Punk by inviting him back to be a part of this album like vaulted him back into because you you hear his name now and you hear djs and um dance music uh producers saying his name now in the last eight years in a way that just didn't happen before before that so i truly think like his legacy has been cemented and um and it, it increased because of 
their, his work on this album. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's, uh, I, we, we could go on, you could do a multiple hour episode on, on this man and not even yeah. scratch the surface. Um, but that's, that's the, the, the overview I have uh, on him. And now I, I, uh, I want to get into this specific, uh, collaborator video, yeah. which, um, so, so the first clip I pulled, uh, it's, 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 it's a really cool thing. And it's, it's him talking about, uh, the first time he ever saw a synthesizer, uh, which is, probably one of the most important you know get, knowing what we've known this is probably one of those important moments for all of dance music yeah. uh, that follows um so let's uh, let's hear uh, let's hear that clip can i tell you the story how i how yes, i yes, met yes, the yes. synthesizer yes please okay so i found out that the german classical composer had uh, a mold so i asked him can i hear so i went to his house and he started to play a bass line doing only low and very mysterious but kind of boring right so after he left i asked the technician so what else can this instrument do and he said oh a lot of things wow all this stuff and i said i i thought to myself that's that's the instrument i want to use so uh, I think it's it's what was really cool about this video to me is hearing honestly the joy in his voice when he talks about music and synthesizers yeah. and working on these projects. You like know, a, an ancient man uh, mimicking a synthesizer with his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's so he's born wow. he's he's born in 1940, yeah. right? So he is he's 81 years old conceivably yeah. right now, and, and like conceivably, I mean I'm just saying depending <laughs> yeah. where his birthday falls, not you know what I mean. But my point is like like this is this is uh, you know yeah he's an old man and he's uh, you know this guy was on the cutting edge of musical technology. Have you ever seen pictures of him in his like 20s? And yeah, shit? dude, it's remarkable. He's a cool looking guy. Yeah, back he's a then. cool yeah. looking guy for sure. <laughs> Um, but he goes on to talk a little bit about, um, you know, again, about about the, the fundamentals. But he, he starts talking about, um, just uh, play that second clip and we'll talk about it. What helped uh, the dance uh, craze was the new kind of rhythm, like, you know, the bass drum, the we call it the four on the floor. Even I could go in a discotheque and dance because it's like one, two, three, and you you almost have to dance. Yeah, I mean... It's that it's we've talked about. Yeah, this music is scientifically engineered to make you dance. They, like, even if you don't know what's happening or can break down the the rhythm of the music, or you know, or you don't know the ins and outs of it, you can't help but move to it. That's you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that people that have four been on the pounding. Floor beat. It's that people have been pounding rhythmically on like a leather very, drum since the beginning of right like cognizance it's it's cool <laughs> to hear how he thinks about it too there's there's a there's another clip i have this next one where he's still talking about the beat um but you know he equates it to heartbeat which is the first moment that in this collaborator video um where i really start to see just outside of the the being inspirational to daft punk or whatever yeah i, I can see how um this you know right away this this mechanical living kind of you know, juxtaposition or whatever. Where is the line? Listen to how yeah. he talks about uh, 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 beats per minute here. 120 BPMs are like uh, a little bit like a heartbeat. You know, a, a heart beats about 60 times a, a minute. 120 is double, so you you always get into into the feel according to your heart. 
which yeah. you know again it's it's another um you know it's 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 the human robot question you know summed up <laughs> and and it's i mean we'll hear the human robot question. well i mean it, it's yeah one of the things that these collaborator videos to zoom out from just Giorgio Moroder, but one of the things for me that these collaborator videos the common thread is you know folks talking about um, you know, Chili Gonzalez says specifically, like the mathematical mm-hmm. nature of harmonies are, you know, the the math and science of it is what leads to for him the most emotional component yeah. of music. You know, it's the most mathematical thing, yet it's the most emotion generating thing, um, which is very cool. And to hear Giorgio Moroder talk about, you know, this mechanical beat makes you dance. It's twice your heartbeat, so you're kind of already part of it, whether you want to be or not. And you know, I like I like how his throwaway is even someone like me can dance. Yeah, because you know, again, hearing this this man humanize himself in this way is very cool. He's a he's a lumbering oaf of a person yeah. who. Yeah. Just has has tapped into the it, groove. It's the other thing is, like I've always thought of, um, like like early UK rave stuff where it's like club speed, like methy kind of yeah. clubby speed. They're listening to jungle and stuff, and it's like you know 180 beats per minute, it's right? 200 beats per minute. And I've always thought it's like yeah, you have more energy. They had more energy because they were doing that kind of thing, but those are drugs that increase your heart rate by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like the, you're in the heart, like the heart rate does dictate the dance a little bit. I, yeah. I mean like, uh, cause I think of, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, my song was born, uh, born slippy, right? That's yeah. a song with that string section at the beginning, but then when it pumps, it's like, did you, yeah. did in you there? Uh, and it, it is, it's got that, that, did you watch that YouTube clip I sent? Which one? Uh, them doing that song live. I did not. I, I, I watched it. I, I was watching, um, I was watching some, Oh, the recent one at, yeah. at a rave recently. Yes, I did watch that. Yeah, they um they did like they were dude did like a thirty year anniversary tour or whatever, yeah. and that that came up as like the predict video on. I was watching some other yeah. dance stuff, and that just came up. I was like, "What is that band?" And I turned turned up the, the music on it. I was like, "Holy shit, that was that's that song." Yeah, Darren found from the train spotting yeah. thing a while ago. But yeah, so good. it was like that that performance was incredible. Of very that song specifically. very cool. One thing I'm I'm curious about and i've never found any reason why or why they chose to do it this way for this uh guy but very clearly in the way that everybody's talked about this song that it's it people made a point to say that giorgio had nothing to do with the composition of the track yeah he was he did they didn't invite him to participate in that part and and it it never they didn't they didn't like jam out with him in the studio at all. He came in. He said, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to play?" And they said, "You're gonna sit here and talk about your life." That's interesting. To I me. like it. It speaks to what you're saying about cementing his legacy. Yeah, everyone has heard his synthesizers. <clears throat> yeah, he could. He's put out thousands of minutes of synthesizers. Yeah, he's never talked in front of a microphone to people That's about true. this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They've never put his name, you know, he's had, I, like, I mean, we I talk, okay. like, I, like I don't want to get too much into the song because I have a lot to say yeah. about the recording yeah. of that song and what it means and how, and why it's laid out the way it is. And I want to save that all of that for yeah. next week. Absolutely. But I, I think that like what we, what uh, I, I agree with Devin's point completely on that, which is uh, cause I, I had thought about that as well. Digging into it. Cause I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really realize that. Like, I guess I knew it, but didn't think about it. Yes. It is bizarre that they had people come on and just play like, you know, endless um, yeah. like, like drums to loops. And then they had Georgia Marauder and so we don't get anything. A, there's a couple there. There's a couple moments where, so Niall clearly jammed out. Yes. 
Animal uh Animal Collective, Panda Bear? No. I don't know that he did. That like the he said a couple times and we'll get into the clips. Yeah. That like they had a lot of stuff laid down and they just wanted me to sing, you know, but sing, which is me, was very surprising. Part of me, you know, to, to 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 talk more about Ram as as you know zoomed out, you know, part of what I think that they're trying to accomplish is, I don't know if missing link is the right word, but a connection, you know, like like what does Daft Punk figure out how to do with Discovery? We talk about this a million times. They figure out how to take this this you know, 40 minute thing and compress it into four minutes or uh-huh. whatever. And it's almost like in, in doing that, you know, you somehow forget the legacy, you know, that the, we stand on shoulders of giants. I think they're always hyper aware of their influences and they're always directly nodding at their influences and directly yeah. sampling their influences. But you know, I don't know that, you know, the average person realizes that. So what do they do with Giorgio by Moroder is they uh, and this collaboration, uh, they they specifically make it about identifying that and saying you should care who this man is. And now people do. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think that their intention was to pay homage to this man, mm-hmm. show how they inspired him. Or they, he Vice inspired versa. them. Yeah. Um, and then that be the track. But yeah. here, here, um, play, uh, here's another, um, it was cool. Uh, play this, uh, this fourth clip for me. The DJ is like a conductor of a big orchestra. Okay, now slow down and everybody's slowing down. And, and now three, four, and everybody's dancing and dancing and they're all happy. And so I think that's, probably the legacy of our dance and that's why dance is now the pop of 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 the world you better believe it old man you better believe it old man (laughs) actually on the topic of old man just roll right into this next one it's the same wait do you have something to say i was just gonna say he's got to be one of the first he is one of the first guys to make music for djs yeah. yeah. Everyone before this has always made records for your house and the radio or for a band to play live or whatever. And discotheques became popular in the 70s. He's making music for it. Well, that's he, why all those songs are he, eight minutes long. Very, very recently in within the last five years or so, he started to DJ. Yeah. He had he had never DJed in well, his whole life. Cool. And, and in like two, 2018 or 2019, he the like he started to do it and it's really cool so one of so the now, things yeah, i didn't um i didn't clip uh but it was interesting it was it was it wasn't as like concise of a take or anything he was he was talking about um how he wasn't he wasn't in the discotheques in the way that uh, I, I thought maybe he was, but he talks about how what he would do is he would be working on something. He would cut an eight minute version of something he's working on. And he had a lot of DJ friends and he would give them yeah. this white label record the and first, say the first generation and, of people. To and do he it. would just say, I want you to tell me how people react to this because I'm working on this project or I'm working on yeah. this, this record. And it's, you know, it's, that's such a, you know, that's how that started. I'm going to make, I'm yeah. literally going to make an eight minute edit of this, this idea I'm working on, yeah. play it in the club to people and tell me if it's good, yeah. uh, which is very cool. That feels more modern. That feels very modern. And that's yeah. from, that's 50 years ago. I watched yeah. another, I watched another uh, clip of him recently where he, um, uh, he was going to DJ an old church Yeah, and they just like filmed a video of him setting up and he walks into the church and it's just like, big open space that they've converted into a venue and he's taking it all and soaking it in. And he's like, that's where I want to DJ. And they're like, 
well, there's there's like a platform. There's like, a, and he's like, no, up there. And they point, and they like, they zoom up, and he's like, he's talking about like one of the balconies yeah. up in the rafters, like the and he's organ like, place he's like yeah, 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 like where they put, would put the organ. And he's pointing up. He's like, that's where I want to be. And they were like, all right, George, yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, here, uh, he talks a little bit in this uh, collaborative video about hearing Daft Punk, and it's it's a it's a funny clip. Play it. When was the first time that you um, heard a Daft Punk song? Oh, I, bu- I would say about five, six years ago. I, my favorite song then was... Um, uh, uh, I just had it. Um, one more time. That was my favorite song, especially when they then break down and you just hear the, the strings that... that uh, the chords and uh, it had a beautiful feel. He fucking gets it. He gets it. I I I, I love. He invented it. I, lo- I know. Yeah, he invented it's, it. It's it's so funny to me that he's like, geez, I just had it." Just like had on it. an interview about Daft that, Punk. Well, um, it's just the way we talk about Daft Punk with this reverence. Like he's produced yeah, one hundred yeah. gold records. Yeah. Right, like, one hundred more times he's, he's done it. He, yeah, he's he's. Yeah. It's just like he's sold. More records than Daft Punk ever will. Well, like so, like the way the way that Daft Punk almost openly talks with disdain about the the new generation of this music, like that that is the Daft Punk is that to him. Yeah, and he, he's like, he's yeah, like, these French guys who are forty years younger yeah. than me. And well, then, it's like then, it's, it's he, like when Paul Williams said, you know, I'm working on an album with this stadium act, Daft yeah. Punk or whatever. He's like, he doesn't know it's what he's talking like, about. You, yeah, it's very funny to hear these old these old guys, the the generation that they were inspired by having reverence for well, them or whatever and like talking about how they're he, good or whatever. And whenever Daft Punk talks about the current state of affairs, they're like, these children, they uh, they don't know anything. Uh, they, they don't understand. Well, <laughs> you get old the second you say the kids don't know anything. <laughs> but one of the things that, that Giorgio Moroder says that's that's cool is is – he um, he talks in this in this next clip about the level of, of attention to detail and perfectionism that Daft Punk has, and it's cool to hear him talk about it. They are perfectionists. I, I remember I would try to find a sound on the vocoder, and it would take me maybe twenty minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, they told me it took them a week or so only to find the sound, and then I don't know how many days to do the vocals. So I, I think they're going into every little detail that's interesting i think specifically with their work on the vocoder we touched on it last week a little bit on this record it was much more detailed than in the past yeah uh and you can really hear it like i mean it's a uniform voice across a lot of no like not not it's not quite like they there's a different sound and a different depth to every different way they use it is specifically is it beyond where they croon a little bit and they go into that yeah. and then then the, the vocoder becomes like like another they're not line fun the, to use if yeah. you you know if you it's I difficult a, I it's a, very difficult uh a mini korg or yeah. whatever do you remember mm-hmm. those uh when i was in high school and it had a vocoder on it with a, a microphone built in and everyone in in the scene I was in was using it and it sounds like shit it's very it's very hard difficult and, and to get even just the clarity to understand and to words. get the like the little wobble in it and yeah. to get you know the pitch shift and, and you know all of that stuff is is it's very um it's it's very difficult and hands-on to have the level of yeah. movement that they have with it as yeah. well as just having a sound that's 
audible yeah. in the first place. And when I, I, I mean, when, when I say not it's uniform no, no, on this I, record, I like, mean, not yeah. uniform in that it sounds the same. I'm saying the complexity to still have a defined voice, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's our, it's our first yeah. person, our unknown first each, person in this album, right? Each, it's, it's, there's a uniform voice we'll get yeah. in the vocoder moments. That's clearly like, these are the robots, right? Um, um well, yeah. And so, um, uh, I think there was attention paid in each instance of it to fit the song yeah. in particular in a way we'll get into it next week, but, but each one is wildly different and each one fills a gap in the song in a different way. And, um, I guess what I, what I think that they have managed to do with the vocoder in this is the same way that like Freddie Mercury's voice is Freddie Mercury's voice, but it's not uniform, right? I yeah. think that they give themselves a voice and mm. then they utilize it in this insane yeah. way that is comparable to a, you know, a, 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 a vocalist, a, a vocalist, you know, range and, yeah. and, and technique. I, I don't think it's uniform being, in that in the past with the way they are precise with it and yes. the way they spend all this time on it, you can hear a vocoder sound and know that it sounds like Daft Punk. Yeah. Or that it is Daft Punk in a way that if you hear someone else using a vocoder, you, it might not. Yeah, and I think later on, like I don't know what their plan is, but like right away in like later on uh, in in like the um, in the weekend tracks when you hear yeah. the robot voice, like that's their voice. You know that's yeah. their voice. That's right. their sound. In the same way, you would know lady gaga's voice or whatever right. you know i don't know if that's the best comparison no, but you I know what, what i mean. mean yeah i mean they they create an identifiable voice for them in, in in the way that a singer would um but uh so we've talked a bunch about uh the 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 Giorgio Moroder coming in and here you know the mic story yeah um but i uh he tells it from his own voice when i came in the studio uh everything was ready nice and uh, I had three microphones, and I said, uh, are they afraid that one microphone would not work? Or So I asked the technician, and uh, I said, uh, why, why are you using three uh, microphones? He said, okay, you see, the one on the left is an old sound of the 60s, one of the 70s, and this is today. Who, who would hear the difference? And he said, nobody. So I said, so why is Toma doing it? Oh, he said, he would hear the difference. Uh, Giorgio gave like, I don't know, a thousand interviews about Random Access yeah. Memories. And he told this, like this this is the kind of thing that Tomas and Guimon have no interest in doing right. and why, why they're so particular about interviews and why yeah. they put the helmets on in the first place. You can hear how happy he is to tell this story yeah, every is. single time. Yeah. He's just happy that people he are is. talking and to it's, him. And it's 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 um, <laughs> what's people interesting. enjoy interacting with old, the world and fandom. Old and, men love telling stories. Yeah. <laughs> and well, what, this, and this an is exciting. A, this is a story this old man gets to tell over and over and over again, and he loves telling it. And it's I mean again the way that he 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 the the inflection at the end there. Um, you know, it, it does give a little more of a window that it's not it's not Gimon that will tell the difference. It's Tomas. And, and you know, it gives yeah. us another window into the specificity of, of, of uh, Tomas's yeah. brain as far as these sounds go. He is the tech nerd. Yes. Um, which I, that's that's the one of the yeah. main things I thought was interesting about. Yeah. That oh, telling yeah. of that clip. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I, I, that's 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 uh, that's that's Giorgio. That's Giorgio Moroder for worth us here. Noting that uh, Giorgio 
he he's influential to house music because of the synthesizers and disco that combination but he also was such a a forerunner to technology that he's also incredibly influential on techno yeah you know yeah because like all the the Belleville three were obsessed and with the, him and the and the um inner like the integration of this kind of stuff into uh, movie scores yeah. and you know like yeah, i mean yeah. talking he's, about he's a movie like his, like scarface right like you've heard yeah. his tones and his style yeah. of composition whether you know like that's that's what what you say when, when you say like he could have easily like impacted all of this stuff and his name could have fallen to the wayside that's where you've like, heard him you've heard yeah. him in things like I that think, i think the general music fan and the general electronic music fan does not know the name wendy carlos right yeah, perhaps. I think probably. if you are not a musician, maybe if not. you're not, if, if you're you, a fan, if you like this music, but you're not a musician, you probably probably have not heard the name Wendy Carlos. And I have a feeling that without this song on this record and this collaboration, Giorgio would be in that same yeah. world where he's just like he he propped this music up and sent it forward, but never was like given that. I don't attention we, we on should a talk popular to scale. someone older than us Absol- because <laughs> yeah, really. yeah no I truly mean yeah. this because absolutely we talk like we talk about Phantom of the Paradise Paul Williams is yeah. doing Phil Spector at the time there was in the zeitgeist the idea of a superstar producer yeah Phil Spector was a household name yeah I wonder contextually you know if if Giorgio Moroder had the same weight as a Phil Spector in in the public eye as as maybe a That's Paul Williams. Yeah. Or was he You know what more behind yeah. the scenes I don't know. I don't know. They, I I've been thinking about this recently too is that the explosion of EDM especially in especially in the last 10 years it's like it's like if Quincy Jones was the biggest star in the world instead of Michael Jackson, right? Like yeah. the producers now are the people who are taking the stage. You know what I mean? In a very yeah. interesting way, that I mean, would just would not be the case. I mean, yeah. when before I, I think that the 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 difference is technology can now take the spot of yeah. your prima but, donna so like, superstar like, okay, or you whatever. Get like, you know, like, 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 okay, specifically Donna Summer, right? Now, a female vocalist works with Marshmallow, and it's Marshmallow's name on the featuring, song, featuring yeah. whoever. Yeah. So if that was if it if everything was flipped back then, it would have been Giorgio Moroder. I feel love featuring Donna Summer. Yes, yeah, and, and it's it's a really interesting flip in the way that this music is presented to the world that I never I've never yeah. I haven't put a yeah. ton of thought. I into. also wonder if it is. I wonder if it's a viewpoint. You know, it's. Because with some of this stuff, some of these, because um, there are still the superstar producers of the world, the Max Martins or whatever, who are like, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write you a hit. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time for I'm gonna go do my thing and I'm gonna write you a hit. All and those, it's your hit. All those right. enormous I, greasy guys that run the boy bands and stuff. Yeah, they're, st- they're still out. You there. gotta watch the. You guys <laughs> listen if you're into this stuff. Watch on Netflix. There's a series called uh, This Is Pop, and there's an episode on why so many hits come out of Sweden and they talk about this lineage of just like 
long-haired metal guys in Sweden writing all of Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys That's songs. Incredible. And they're all like young kids. They're all like young dorky metalheads. They're like, I was touring with my metal band and then I wrote <laughs> Hit Me Baby One More Time or whatever. Yeah. It's really wild. Now my yeah. kids never have to work. <laughs> yeah. That's also, crazy. I want to mention that uh, one of the best Jay Dilla songs, E equals MC squared, is this incredible sample and yeah. extension of one of Giorgio Moroder's solo tracks. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, next up, talk about Todd the God Edwards. Yeah, that's that next one up. Yeah, so that's a this is a a, a boy we've mentioned uh, uh several times. We have we've so, mentioned him several times. I don't know. It's hard to remember what we've said and what we haven't. Um, uh, in the homework episode, we mentioned so uh, Todd Edwards is one of the folks that's mentioned in the song "Teachers on Homework." At the time, he was living in his parents' basement in New Jersey, yep. and he got mentioned in a Daft Punk song uh, uh, because at that point, it w- that was their first record, and they were like, these are a bunch of people that we love, and we would love to work with them someday, and they ended up working with four of them, right? DJ yeah. Sneak, Niall. Um, I think they talked to Romanthony. Romanthony. Right? And Todd Edwards, so that's that's It'd be crazy. wild if they called out Panda Bear on that song. <laughs> Panda Bear, and it was an Animal Collective hadn't happened. Yet. Animal Collective <laughs> DJs on the loose. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, uh, uh, Casa Blancas. What did he say? Did he say? Did he say the strokes? Did he say the strokes in 1997? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really funny. That'd be really really funny. <laughs> the weekend. The weekend. <laughs> <laughs> teriyaki the boys <laughs> teriyaki boys the parcels <laughs> what what did he what, what did, did he say, say? kanye west kanye west uh i think it's a an, an interesting time to talk about todd edwards uh because yesterday at the time of recording dj mag put out a long read he's on the cover of the magazine this week and they did probably the most in-depth profile of him that's been done and it was Really fascinating. I, I, I won't go too deep into it. I recommend you read it. Um, Todd Edwards was a UK garage producer. From New Jersey. From New Jersey. <laughs> UK so garage from doing, New Jersey. He was doing UKG in New Jersey. He did not DJ until 2003, and he did it for the first time in the UK. So the first time he DJed, Discovery had already come out. Yeah, He had already put out, at that point, hundreds of songs. Um and the, the profile was really interesting. He's he's a guy who has this very specific style of these chopped up vocals that are pitched up with spaces in them. And he makes a splash at the very beginning just from his friends showing him records. He produces a ton of music. And Dept- it's interesting because they they let in their in the his their first his first work with them, they let his like those gaps, that sound that he likes to noodle yeah. around in. They let that noise drive that song face yeah. to face. He got to co-write, co-produce, and sing the vocals on it. That's yeah. very different than some of the other collaborations they've had. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we just need you to do a part. That was a song they were like, we like you. Let's do this together. Yeah, it, and you around. can hear Todd Edwards in face to face. You know it, what I mean? Not just his song. Absolutely. It feels like there are, you know, you talk about it. There are there are moments where it's like, you know, Rome Anthony, we're going to work together on these two tracks. Uh, you know, uh, Todd Edwards, we're going to work together and produce and do. And, and there are moments where it's like, hey, somebody come in and do this for us. Yeah, and I yeah. think that is a, a clear distinction that probably is telling of, I don't know, is it is it chemistry? Is it just similar musical style? He it's just, very interesting. He literally just today posted on his Facebook um 
a clip that was like, uh, I I consider it a, a phenomenal honor that I am one of two, three people that they ever asked to work with twice. Yeah. He talked, he talks about that. That's from the, the DJ mag thing. And I think, I mean, if you count them calling him out on teachers, he's the only person who has something to do with yeah. three records, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, the profile of him is fascinating because his career in some ways has been driven by his collaborations with Daft Punk and he, Produces stuff at the beginning. Discovery comes out. He gets a gold record for Face to Face. Yeah. And then he starts to DJ. And because of mismanagement, he had a very controlling and weird manager at the time. He didn't own his catalog. And he felt like he did not, he could not capitalize on it. And in in the profile, he talks about feeling incredibly depressed and desperate. And in the years between discovery and ram his music isn't really happening in the right ways he moves back to new jersey with his parents for a while he gets like a day job at verizon and he's talking about like feeling like i missed it i had this thing and i missed it and i it went away like i i couldn't capitalize on it so he reached out to dj easy and uh pedro winters and he was like i need some advice and they as a group were like, you need to go buy back your your catalog. You need to because he didn't own any of his masters, which is messed up. Yeah, that sucks. He was super super poorly managed. So over the last you know I don't know ten years or whatever, he's slowly been rebuilding this success that he had early on because he really did capitalize on it at the beginning and it was huge. You know, he was doing remix work for like TLC and yeah. Phoenix and, and stuff. That, that like. That just that seems to lock in because it's almost like for 15 years you just you just didn't hear his name or he was yeah. just gone because that that's awful. But I'm so glad that he's getting stuff back and his catalog just got released yeah. like in a big way for the digitally on streaming yeah. platforms for the first time that ever. Was, that was huge. Defected put out 140 songs of his. That and, were not on any streaming service at all. Yeah, they weren't anywhere. And he talked about he talks about that in the interview. He talks about um, he he talks about how I don't know he the decisions he's had to make in his career, and they're very interesting. He moves you know to L.A. because of Daft Punk, and we'll get into that in the clips in a second. But it was also interesting. Uh, you know, he has a lot of success right now that he's figuring out in the years in between, in the weirder years of this. In 2006, he put out a record called The Odyssey that he did not uh, make part of the Defected deal. And it is a 45-minute album, 16 songs. They're all short. And on it, it says, like, there are six different guest vocalists. And it's, like, a woman and, like, a like a uh, low voice and stuff. But it's actually all him. Whoa, really? And it's like he was like sucking helium and doing all these voices. <laughs> and it is a concept album. Whoa. That's like cult status. I listened to all of it today. It's incredible. I got I to check that he's, out. It's all the voices sound Are like him. different people. It's incredible. <laughs> and it is, it's like a concept album. It's a very lyrical album. He's singing over all of it about like love and loss and faith and depression. Wow. And it is cool as shit. It's like super chopped up like in his style but a lot of it is chops of his wow. synth stuff he's working on like 
filling it out and putting it out again along with a documentary that's cool. going to come out soon. So that's very exciting. That's, that's cool. awesome. But he was not he was not necessarily known as a singer or a vocalist until Before face this. to face. So like he came in, they they did some sample work together and th- stuff and Tomas put him in the studio and was like, "Hey man, can you sing like Fog Hat or whatever?" And he was like, "I could try." And he laid down face to face. Which is like one of the the most yeah. like famous Daft Punk like vocal tracks of all time. It's yeah. Todd Edwards, some like producer from uh, his mom's basement in New Jersey. That's uh, really incredible. We can we can do this first clip. It's in the context of just talking about uh, working on the song fragments of time. Tomas put me in one of the side compartments of the studio, and he's like, "I want you to cut up, do your cut ups on this part." <laughs> So I do what I do when I'm actually sampling. I'm cutting up and putting spaces in between things. And he listened to it and and Guimal listened to it and they were happy with it. Then he looped it around from that part into the other part. And I realized he was making that the chorus. I think they, they, you know, the younger producers are going to be blown away by what they're hearing. And it's not going to be possible to, to do what they did. But you can take ideas from that. Maybe it'll make you think, you know what, I want to bring in a, a live bass player on this. I like that. I yeah. like it because he does his impression of yeah. Tomas, yeah, which great. is very funny. That, that's and it's pretty spot on. I it is it is really it's really crazy to me. And we'll talk about this more in our track by track breakdown. But that they invited Todd Edwards back for his second collaboration, and they're like, "We love your UK garage cut up sound. Can you please sing on this Steely Dan track that we're gonna put on our record?" <laughs> but he co-wrote the track. Yeah, you know, I know. which is weird it's too. It's a slide it, guitar. Steely it does not Dan feel. Thing. It does not feel like <laughs> it is a Tom for, Edwards thing. for a for a long time. When this when this album came out in 2013, I did not. I didn't listen to any other music for like four months. Like I had, I just had this on in my car. I just, I, I listened to this over and over again. And for a very long time, this was my favorite song on it. It's so good. It really is. It's, it's like this, that uh, we'll get into track by track, but that song is driving down the highway on a summer day Mm -hmm. to me. That's what it is. I mean, in the, in the span of Daft Punk's catalog face to face is, you know, maybe one of the tracks for me. Oh yeah. Uh, And, and it's, yeah. Yeah, hard agree. I'm I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by Todd Edwards because he is, you they really get into it in the the DJ Mag interview. And he's not a rock star. Like if you listen he's, to him talk, that's the thing. He's, and he's such he's like a kind of a nerd. He's, and he's unsure of himself. And he, yeah, and he, yeah. they talk about it in the interview. He go he he's an incredibly Catholic person. Yeah, and he has this very complicated relationship towards religion. And he, you know, he talks in the interview like. You know, there are points when the music got bad and I was living in New Jersey and I wanted to crash my car. I wanted to kill myself. And he's like, he talks about like his relationship to the music changing, making his relationship to God stronger. He talks about, you know, it's like he he says. We saw that picture of him from the 90s where he was in a, he was like. Back in the nineties, Jesus like, loves UK crowd. Yeah, he was like a pudgier guy back in the nineties. He's just like this pudgy, pudgy dude, <laughs> New Jersey guy. He's in a t shirt that says Jesus loves UK garage and he's got that tucked into George. He handmade that shirt and it got bootlegged oh, by everybody and his manager didn't let him sell that. Wow. So now as part of his de- deal with Defected, they're making official Wow. Because that was a shirt that like a lot of people made. Yeah. And he that's just something he handmade at his house, wow. which is very cool. <laughs> It's interesting in the in the interview from yesterday. It says the callback from Daft Punk was one of the biggest honors of my life. 
I can boast I'm one of the few people who worked with the robots on two different albums. I see Tomas and Guimana as brothers, but I also put them on a pedestal, and it's hard not to because they're geniuses. Yeah, he, they, 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 they sought him out. They loved him, and he. You can and tell now, how much he looks up. He, oh yeah, he, absolutely. Know, we can let's play this next clip. I'm here for three weeks. It's like. I don't want to go home. Like, you know, you're already thinking like, this is so amazing. Like, you know, you want it to last. So that was like kind of the, the beginning premise of the song. You know, I'll just always recall all these wonderful things going on. I packed up my studio and drove a 14 foot truck across the country. I moved here because of this, that those three weeks. Wow. He lived in New Jersey his whole entire life. life. And I, it's interesting because he moved to LA. He made this move. He he would never have done because yeah. of those three weeks. And in the interview yesterday, they the interviewer is saying like, you can tell that this is painful for him to talk about. And he suddenly kind of gets like clammed up and unsure of himself. And he's like, timing is so important, but unfortunately the timing of things doesn't necessarily work out the way you want. I missed my moment after random access memories uh, let's just say I needed some me time when I got to LA and I was unready to be creative and miss the boat with reissuing my catalog. And he's like, they said he just starts like shifting around his seat and is chewing on it. So even now he's doing yeah. very well. He feels like I needed to have done this in 2013 and it didn't work out. And it's like, I, I, you're, I, I see his name and stuff so much more and he's getting a lot of love that he never had in a way. This feels like the last six months or so feel like his moment in a way that n never has otherwise. And I think it's it's good for him that it's coming independent of yeah, Daft Punk, right? if this right? had happened in 2013... It would, all, it would be under the shadow of Daft yeah. Punk. And now and it's just Todd Edwards is doing his thing now. Yeah. Every time a new like a new Todd Edwards yeah. tune comes out, Gorgon City does the remix. Yeah. It's, it's like he's, he's working under his name, yeah. you know? And it's... It's cool. And that's that's cool, like, that, that, that this collaboration inspired him to move out and change his life like everyone else on this record even the session guys are established and legendary yeah. or like set for life in a, in a way and random access memories changed his life in a way that you know julian casablanca's doesn't need <laughs> doesn't doesn't need it didn't need random access memories but todd edwards this was a really important moment for him this is not a judgment on todd edwards at all because i i I really love him. What is missing from Todd Edwards and the reason Daft Punk has, you know, been a bigger name than him is because he has not had the career direction and vision that they have. You know, they had a very clear idea of what to do and what moves to make. And you can hear where Todd feels like he falters on things and yeah. didn't make the right moves. And the moves he did make that were good, I think, are with the help of these people like Daft Punk and Pedro. And it's very cool that, you know, he, he's gotten to figure it out with their help. Yeah. yeah. That's Todd Edwards. That's Todd Edwards. Oh, yeah. That is Todd Edwards. Boys, um, we're, uh, what, four and a half months into this project? No. I think so. No, Three and a half months. The day before my birthday was our first episode. Yeah. So we're this is the this is the first one that I'm ill prepared. I'd cl I cut my clips. I didn't do any research. You guys, you guys are hitting the mark I here. I did not want to do research, but I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, 
I I love Todd Edwards the most of anyone on this podcast. I, well, I, think. I tried to I like assigned he's, he's I assigned my, yeah. these collaborator Absolutely. videos, and I tried to Man. I tried to give them to the people. I tried to yeah. make it like these are going to connect with people yeah. on a. For yeah. me, Andy, I was not going to do even close to as much work as I did, but I watched these three, uh, the three my three that you assigned to me, yeah. and I was just very inspired by all three of them. So uh, yeah. I, I dug in. Hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. So next, the next video up is Nile Rogers. Um, I didn't do any, I didn't research his life or anything, but he, uh, is the founding member of chic. He's one of the most influential disco and funk guys ever. Produced uh, all the good Madonna. He, he songs produced all the good Madonna stuff. He, all the like, good B fifty twos. David Bowie. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. That's da- like and like yeah. and like uh and we're gonna we're gonna get into he a bunch of that. He worked on the stuff. new Keith Urban album a couple years <laughs> ago. We found so, out. Man. So, can we pause can we can we pause for a second in all of this and just remember the fact that Keith Urban put out a EDM record? I gotta tell my mom about that. I, she loves Keith Urban. It is that that is that is a jump the shark moment for this that I I'm still <laughs> like we want to go to Cincinnati to see Animal Collective. My mom goes to Toronto to see Keith Urban. <laughs> like and that's her last time she left I Michigan. Don't think, I, think. I don't think that that would have happened. I don't think Keith Urban puts out a dance like a dance slash country album without um uh not a little Nas X right. Per, I don't know what the timeline is for that. I think it's after. I, th- I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I, I remember thinking about that when I discovered that song existed, and and. Uh, and and really thinking that Old Town Road or whatever it's called it's very is, funny. is the turning point. It's very funny to me that he made this whole sub genre of like dancey country music, and now that entire world um, hates him because of the hell video. Yeah, like, that rocks. <laughs> yeah, he like I I love Lil Nas X, and I love that movie. He's incredible because he, he knows he, how to just he, he knows yeah. how to push the button because there were so many there were so many like right wing people that saw old town road was like finally like finally some what <laughs> the other thing he has going for him is he is funnier than any of them oh yeah so whenever someone comes for him on twitter oh, he's yeah. always it like such a like joy. a laser so it is an incredible joy to watch he do him do like a western song and watch a bunch of like right wing people get on board with it and then him to be like Actually, this is the real me, and I'm going to grind on the devil, and I'm going to corrupt your children. I'm going to put sneakers with blood out, and and watch people just tear their hair out. Absolutely. But uh, Niall is like a a, a Hall of Fame level person that um, is just uh, just like – not only that, but I mentioned mentioned before that um, there's a chic record – in the photo of Tomas's desk from the yeah. bedroom studio in homework, um, that that band is one of the most important bands ever. Uh, uh, it like Good Times, right? Good Time got sampled uh, for Rapper's Delight, which launched hip-hop as a genre like like this guy is one of the most influential um producers and guitar players uh of the last half century so so can i can i just interject a couple real quick things so one thing uh is his career started touring 
the Sesame Street stage show in 1970 and also opening for the Jackson Five wow. on the first leg of their, I mean, on the American leg of their first world tour. So that's when he started. And a couple, uh, two, two things that I, I, I found uh, on him that I think are interesting. One, he did the music for Halo 2, Rush Hour 2, and Snow Dogs. Wow. Oh, yeah. those, snow are dogs. Three, those are three no, yeah, uh, yeah. obscure yeah. things. Uh, but also, There's uh, no dogs like snow dogs. No dogs like snow, snow dogs. A really cool thing that that uh, I think is cool to mention is that he has a, uh, a foundation called the We Are Family Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that uh, promotes- Isn't it crazy that he's just, uh, that Darren is just doing this off the top of his head? Yeah, he just knew all I, I'm no, I, I'm going <laughs> to peek behind the thing. I'm reading this stuff. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, he's got a, uh, no, they don't dude. I'm, in, I'm data from the next generation. Uh, his nonprofit is, uh, promotes cultural cool. diversity, uh, in young people. And I arts. also, Very cool. I think it's worth mentioning. Niall's probably the best selling artist of this whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Ra- like Ram like sold like 3 wrote, million copies. Yeah. That's I nothing it up. for him. Nile Rogers totally sold like 500 million copies. Yeah. Of uh, his he things. like, like. Think of a, a like the dancey number that your favorite band did. He probably had something to do with yeah, it. Really? Honestly. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, like I, I was just one of my favorite songs of all time is um, "Holiday" by Madonna. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. And that was one that I uh, researching into this. I was like, oh my god, that's a Nile track. <laughs> um, anyway, he's a really cool guy, and we're gonna go through this because he's got some really cool things to say. Here is Nile talking about the groove. Where I come from, groove is is everything. Groove is something that's um, rewarding on a on a spiritual level, on a primal level, an intellectual level, um, and a physical level. I mean, you feel it. He gets it. Like groove is a is primal yeah. groove is a spiritual groove. That's Devin he, shit. He, I when I I watched all of these and I saw that I was like, yeah, man, yeah, this I, guy absolutely. gets it. Groove, it's in the heart. Groove, it's like it's he he can't articulate it. Yeah. He's like groove, man. It's like and he he's one of those um uh like industry people that likes likes the history of what he's done. So he does this interview in his house, and it's just. Like every surface of every wall is covered by some framed gold record he had to do, or a jacket that somebody performed in, or a, a guitar signed by somebody. It's really cool, dude. And the other thing about his house is when it's not covered in stuff, it's, it's brick. all it's all <laughs> mirrors on doors. He posted a video like yesterday on his Facebook uh, talking about roller skating, where he's just roller skating down in a hallway, yeah, uh, talking about yeah. how groovy. And it's just it's all white walls and mirrors and. It's his just, whole discos, it's, it's yeah, all his, it's his yeah. life. Is disco. The 70s never left for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here he is talking about disco. The first time I went into a club and I heard uh, a Donna Summer record. I was with my girlfriend at the time. She was a waitress in a really cool jazz club. And we walked into a, um, a disco. It was right in our neighborhood, but we had never been there before. They were playing Love to Love You, Baby. And just the magic of that groove and the way it just sort of wrapped my body is what I feel like when I listen to this record. Uh, only something that's a window in this hole could wrap your body. <laughs> it's funny that he talks about, like, this song changed my life yeah. or whatever. And it's, it's a Georgia, Georgia Rotter tune. Yeah. And also... That song comes out in 1975, and then by 1980, he's producing yeah. di- like down a so summer this tunes. Is, uh, this is one of the 
um, most like biographical of these collaborator videos, which is very cool. I've got a couple more clips of, of how he got into the industry, um, um, which is like it's just really fun to listen to because, uh, yeah, like I said, this is one of the most influential guys on Daft Punk. So Niall grew up uh, in New York. Um, when jazz was the thing, and this is this is another clip that made me think of you, because uh, this is about this is him talking about his his entry point into disco from a jazz background. My style of disco was based on jazz fusion, if you will. I came up in the jazz fusion era. I grew up making records that had to be interesting with a lot of what we call the one-time-only events that would happen throughout the course of a linear um, uh, a linear journey, a song. And um, so it's that single note thing in the midst of that, in the middle of that chuck that makes the melodies and the licks um, just sort of jump out at you because I'm playing a melody in between playing the rhythm. So you hear... fucking cool it's really that cool that is so cool it really is cool <laughs> he's such a cool guy he, like they uh he, he growing up like his mom was married to some like very like uh west village people yeah like his dad was a percussion guy and his stepdad was like a beatnik dude or whatever and i read that like Richard Pryor and Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis and shit would like visit his house as a kid. Man, they're like, they're like <laughs> God damn it! You like, know, like yeah. you can't help but be the coolest guy in yeah, the world. Lenny Bruce like... hangs out at your house with Thelonious Monk <laughs> when you're a child. You yeah. have to turn out to be like the Groove yeah. Lord. You go to, like sixth grade or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't know. My dad took took me to my soccer game this weekend. It, it, what did you do, Niall? I hung out with Thelonious Monk. He taught me how to play the harmonica it did say or whatever. That he started using drugs at thirteen. Of course, because yeah. like. <laughs> Hanging out with like these people, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's like the um, is it Walk Hard? Uh, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, um, what's the ladies' man? What's his name in real life? Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. That character is so funny. Yeah. Where he's the always the one that this. introduces <laughs> Dewey Cox to whatever. You don't want any part of this, Dewey. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were thirteen and hanging out with <laughs> the Richard Pryor and, and Lenny Bruce, who like who <laughs> Lenny Bruce who like died with a gun in his hand and a needle in his arm or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like that was my that was my friend. That was my friend when I was a kid, and I grew up to invent this. Oh my god, that was my friend when I was a kid and I, then I invented disco. <laughs> uh this was a really interesting interesting story about um uh Sheik. No one would have known Sheik had I not been able to get that very first record to the DJ at Studio 54. That's how we became known. We were an R&B band that had figured out this jazzy type of formula to present music that DJs could listen to one time and play it, and that the people would hear it one time and respond. And that's how we crafted our records. So you play it first time, you got them. So, like, the movie Thank God It's Friday is like is like a is true like yeah. those those, yeah. those hungry artists like trying to get a, a CD up, or rec- a record, record up to the DJ player. I can just see like a seventeen year old Nile or whatever 
somehow worming his way into Studio 54 where, like, Andy Warhol is hanging out with his own record and be like, can you please play this? And that's how his band got discovered? Yeah. That rocks. Very cool. That is cool as hell. Disco, Disco, it's here to stay, baby. It's not going anywhere. He produced the B-52s album that had Love Shack and Rome on it. (laughs) That's wild. He rocks. He's, uh, his, uh, Disco is here to stay. It's Disco, wild. it's here to stay. I have, I have uh, on one of my, compre- my my screens in front of me. It's it's it takes up the entire screen, and it's just a small portion of selected discography, yeah, and man. it's the entire <laughs> screen in list form. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, a special prize to the listener who can guess how many screens Darren is in front of. Right now. Yeah, how many screens am I? In how front many of? screens is Darren in front of? A special prize to you. Darren records this in Times Square. (laughs) (laughs) Here's another clip. 90%, if not higher, of all recordings that I've ever made in my life have been a result of a very impromptu initial meeting that feels so natural and so organic that you have to take it to the next level. Bowie, I met at an after-hours club. He was sitting all by himself drinking orange juice, literally all by himself. Madonna... I met her. She was an opening act for another group that I was interested in seeing. Um, Duran Duran were opening for Blondie, and I, you know, and so it's all of these wacky, random events that turn into real relationships, and that's what happened here. I mean, we'd met years ago at a Daft Punk listening party in New York. And we almost hooked up in Paris, but I got stuck in Saint Tropez, or maybe it was the other way around. They were stuck in Saint Tropez, and I was in Paris, but. Um, you know, all of these close shaves. And the next thing you know, they said, hey man, we're in New York recording. Come on down to the studio. And it really basically happened in a very organic way. There's no way that whatever David Bowie was drinking was orange juice. (laughs) If he was sitting by himself in a club in the 70s, he was not just sipping orange juice. (laughs) What a time to be David Bowie. Have you ever seen that clip of him on on Soul Train? Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen it? No. So Soul Train was this crazy show from the 70s where they would listen to fucking disco and people would do dancing lines. David Bowie came on as like a celebrity guest or whatever, and he people make like a human tunnel and then other folks dance down it. And David Bowie dances down the human tunnel, and his jaw is working so fast and hard. Good for him, his man. mouth is his mouth is gaping open, <laughs> and his jaw is just moving from side to side. He is blasted off on national TV, and it, it's crazy. It's, it's a good thing no one ever. Points a camera at, at any of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank that God. Should not, that should not. Don't ever. Exist. Do don't don't bring a camera to the party, <laughs> folks. Uh, what was I had a thought? Oh, you know what I, I am remiss about is that, uh, like the th- like they they do their baseline for around the world. That's like a chic baseline. Niall worked with uh, Bernard Edwards. Yeah. I think the basis from chic on a bunch of stuff. He would bring Bernard in for a lot of the, um, like the Madonna stuff and the Duran Duran stuff. He was like a collaborator for Nile his entire life. He died in the nineties. It would have been really cool to get Bernard to do a baseline yeah. Yeah. on one of these tracks. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They just had to get the best bass musicians in the world. <laughs> oh, and the other thing I wanted to say is what I like about Nile. And I know some people probably don't like when artists do this, I like when people who have big success are willing to be public ambassadors of their era. Yeah. They're like, 
Like Henry Rollins will sit down and be in every fucking punk documentary yeah. in front of his record collection from yeah. here until the day he dies. And Some people like, have to be the people who go in documentaries and talk about this and stuff. And like, like, say like, man, that shit I did with Duran Duran was fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, like, I remember that anecdote about Kanye like listening to it, the the Aziz bit, right? Yeah. About Kanye listening to his own music in his house. That rocks. That's yeah. the least crazy thing about Kanye. Every yeah, like artists should love the art they're doing. But I that's think the whole all your time. I think what's really cool about Nile and the way that he talks yeah. about stuff is is again his stories are about collaboration. His stories yeah. Yeah. about chance meetings. His stories about are about making it happen, finding an artistic thing and pursuing it. It's not I'm the best. And I mean, I think this is where you know somebody like Kanye gets it wrong. It's like it's me that's yeah. doing all. With Nile, it's like it's the thing and yeah. I'm contributing to it and I'm excited about it and I'm still excited about it. And and I think that that for um you know, I think that's a good positive outlook that yeah. that I I love. I love to see him smiling and talking about some story or, or some chance in, encounter. He was or in the Studio Fifty Four documentary. He'll do these things yeah. and he'll do them forever. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Daft Punk will never be ambassadors no. of their era. In no. the, you know, thirty years from now, they aren't going to be the people who sit down and talk about things. And no. you need people to do this. And I who will be? It's it's gonna it's gonna be like. Uh, David Guetta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, who are going to be the guys that sit down? Guys like Chemical Brothers don't really don't, – they don't really talk that much. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's I'll not, not going to be like – Tiesto, Tiesto sits down for stuff. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so this is when the video switches from uh, him kind of focused to – he starts talking about Daft Punk. Uh, so this is always interesting. When I worked with the guys, it wasn't like I was just Nile Rodgers doing a session or collaborating. It was being inspired by people and artists that make you go to another level. They make you up your game, even if your game is pretty good. It just felt the same as when I worked with like Bernard or, or Herbie Hancock or, or, or Bowie or Madonna or any of the cool people that I've worked with where we make each other better. Um, that Those are the kind of relationships I live for. It is, it's really crazy to hear somebody like Nile Rogers be like, working with Daft Punk is like, reminds me of working with Herbie Hancock. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> it really is. That's crazy. Um, uh, all right, this is uh, him talking about recording Ram. Not only do we record it in the studio where... I recorded my first Chic single. Not only do I know it as Hendrix's studio, Electric Ladyland, but that's, I grew up as a child in that neighborhood. That, that, I mean, that's my hood. That's, you know, I walked that street dozens of times with my parents. I played in that recording studio before it was even a recording studio, when it was a nightclub called Generation. It was like amazing. I've had jams in there with everybody from the scene back when I was a kid in the late 60s. So there are a lot of spirits, if you will, talking to me. That's what music is. That's what art is. It's, it is timeless. When you see a great painting from the Renaissance, as Bob Dylan would say, it's like looking at current events. That's, that's really cool to me. Like, yeah. It was really important for Tomas and Guimán to reach out to these the, that last generation and try to get some of their heroes to work with them on this record. But then they also gave some of these guys a once in a lifetime experience. Like just to hear him be like, 
I got to record this like special thing with these two French guys in my neighborhood in a building that I played at, at as a teenager. And to contextualize how long he's been doing this, yeah, Electric Ladyland <laughs> was built, bought, and built by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so like he used to play there before Jimi Hendrix Opened bought it. it. Yeah, that's really yeah. great. Yeah, I mean it's cool to hear that too. I mean, we'll, we'll, he's been doing this a long time. <laughs> we'll talk about. With Paul Williams later, I mean, it's the same thing. They're at, they're at the Henson studio for that, and yeah. it's the same thing. They're going. You can see that the artists that they chose to work with uh, informed where He recorded the Panda they... Bear stuff in some acid then Baltimore <laughs> college dorm room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He recorded the Strokes thing like in some the, Manhattan some gutter. Thing, yeah, in the meatpacking meat district yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> in Hell's Kitchen. They recorded the Todd Edwards parts in his mom's basement. God, we love We love you. We love you, Todd. Oh, man. Truly. That'd be really funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right. Um, this is him talking about the guitar. My type of chord playing is not like the normal guitar player because I do a lot of inversions. So like on a typical song like Let's Dance where the basic chords were something like uh, but I play it playing a song like let's dance even on the bowie record i i don't do the traditional nile style because i was trying to be and i tried to have an original approach on it, that record on random access memories uh, you know i wanted to be nile but i wanted to be a new nile that's that's interesting to me that he like he identifies his style and then he tries to adapt it yeah. to the I mean, new thing. But I can't. I, it's, it all sounds like Nile to me. Uh, it's like yeah. so cool that yeah. his thing is so pervasive a, that a, it, when yeah. he's changing That's, it up. What he just said is the most in line with the Daft Punk mentality yeah. that we've talked about. What you were about saying so about the vocal, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I want to be me, but I want to be a new me. I mean, that's every iteration of Daft Punk right there as, you know, the, the, the whole thing that yeah. we talk about, which is, it's cool. I mean, again, it's. You, you know, we call it in, on this podcast the Daft Punk thing, but it is clearly a common thread in their heroes and their inspirations as well. You know, so again, this idea of, you know, Daft Punk stands on the shoulders of giants, yeah. you stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, you know, right there in that clip, yeah. we heard it trace back to I, Renaissance painting, you know, I like I, it would be exhausting to be in a band like the Black Keys that. Yeah. Just like you know what a Black Keys record is going to sound like, and the next one's going to sound the exact same. And like, or would it be fun? It, I don't know. If, if you just like, lock into what you like, like, I love this thing. Yeah. Let's go out and do it every time. Like, not. Every, I feel like you know. I, I people who do that, I feel like it's like they just are having a nice right. life. Yeah, well, they're I, not I, like I think, they're not uh, ringing yeah. their brain out. I, mean, I think that there's an element of there's. there's I need to make the most sophisticated yeah. and newest nah, disco. Just make a bluesy thing again. I just want to make the songs. Well. I yeah, yeah, this one don't sell. I mean, as many as the last one did. There's we'll a type of who cares. There's a type who gives of, a shit. There's a type of painter, right, where it's about the product. 
you know, it's about a style of painting that you come out with. And then there's a type of painter that for them, that is the experience of painting in a new way. Right. And I think it's just two separate ways of viewing art. And I think that, you know, throughout this podcast, uh, this dive here, we've seen which category clearly Daft Punk falls into. And I don't know if there's anything wrong with the other style of I figured out what I want to make and I'm going to keep making it. But, you know, for me, that's not interesting or compelling in a way that these artists who are constantly reinventing themselves. And also when, you know, we talk about it because we've been doing it for so long here, but like the idea of being like, I need to take a hammer to my brain to discover new ways of making (laughs) disco, like... Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, yeah, shit. I need it's to be on the about, forefront yeah. of computer disco. Yeah. Like to regular people, they're like, that all sounds the same. That, yeah. <laughs> and, and it should. <laughs> and it should. Uh, cool. Here's Love another computer one. Disco. <laughs> the robots as artists have evolved. Um, a lot of artists that were, you know, maybe 20 years younger than myself explained to me, <laughs> which I never even thought about. They said, uh, before we did hip hop, what do you think we were listening to? There was no hip-hop. We were listening to disco. That's why the first big hip-hop record is a sample of one of my records. Rapper's Delight comes from good times. This is what happens, right? This is what happens to life. It evolves. It just it changes. You can't help it. And that's what has happened with the robots. They've come to a place that's beyond where they started and they've evolved they're in a style of music that I think I'm a virtuoso (laughs) I know pretty well and and I feel like I'm working with contemporaries I feel like I'm working with people who grew up with me and who feel it the same way we felt the vibe when we were creating this stuff it's like they went back to go forward Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Back to a forward. I I hope to someday that I can confidently call myself a virtuoso in anything. That is really cool. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a virtuoso in I disco. I mean, and nobody's, but nobody's <laughs> going to. really is. And he I mean, is. Anybody who debates that point would, yeah. just doesn't know what they're talking about. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. That, that was That's a cool clip. I like that that they they worked so hard that, they, that he considers them peers. Yeah. That's awesome. I like him saying... They went back to go forward. I that like really... him just mentioning, like, by the way, the first hip hop yeah. hit was my, a sample Mine. of my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. You yeah. you don't think about it, but it but is. It is. That's yeah. wild. It absolutely is. The Sugar Hill Gang. Rappers yeah, Delight. It, so Disco died. We talked about it. We talked yeah. about it uh, last week. Disco died and all that money dried up and there was no money for that, those luscious recording studios anymore. They couldn't record 40 piece bands. So in the 90s, people, the 80s and 90s, people started to sample those expensive records and and repackage them and repurpose them into new things. Some of it went into house and techno. Some of it went into hip hop. And the the last two, the last two giant movements in music came from disco. Yeah, we have not we have not had a new invention of a new thing since hip hop and in house came hip hop and house and techno all came around the same time. Yeah. There's there hasn't been a new new movement since then and all of that was born from disco. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh and then this is just a cool clip to close it out. The the song is going to be I think the the track of the summer. Can we play it?
about how cool that was. Wow, that's cool. That's disco. That is cool. <laughs> he plays the He plays the other one. Yeah. They say this is going to be the song of the summer. Can we play it? And he plays a couple bars of Lose, Lose Yourself, yourself Dance. Yeah. And they break get lucky. lucky. Yeah. yeah. And then funny. and then he got it it got it into it and then him just being like Forgot how cool. cool this was. Oh, and it's funny because what he, what they say is that's disco, which how many times have we said that to each <laughs> other the first time hearing a track no. and loving it? No, being like, that's, that's disco. disco. That's disco. No, that's disco, the, the, baby. The one I'm working on right now in my own music is disco. And it's yeah. just like, it's very fun to listen to and be like, yeah. that's disco. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Next is Pharrell, who I was also responsible for. Um. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't do any uh, research about these guys, but Pharrell, uh, I loved. I had NERD records in middle school and shit. Uh, I, I love that. Um, when I saw the Gorillas in 2010, um, we got there. Uh, the opening act that started, like, they were, like, in the middle of their second song or whatever. And I was like, man, I recognize this. What is this? Uh and I was like, man, that lead singer looks familiar. And then they played Poser. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that guy up there in the bulletproof vest is Pharrell. NERD opened for Gorillaz when I saw them. And 2010 was just that weird pocket yeah. where the Neptunes were done and NERD wasn't really a thing anymore. And, like, they they were just – they were opening for Gorillaz. How old do you think Pharrell is? Uh, I would – He's got to be yeah. I was I will say forty seven, forty eight. Yeah. So Price is right. Because he wears. had he had he was doing vocals on the Clips records yeah. in like two thousand. Because yeah. the first the the Clips records, Pusha T's old group, was some of my favorite like early rap yeah. records. And he does all the falsetto vocals on that too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And um. So he was on Daft Club that that. Um, we we talked so much about yeah. that remix he did. I again, I'm gonna plug my favorite lyric, and I, uh, they say the soul snatchers come in to snatch our spirit from yeah. the club. I love what does that, that line mean? so I love it. I so it much. So a little bit, uh, like a year, year and a half before this collaboration, um, he reached out to them, and Daft Punk produced a a Pharrell track called Hypnotize You. Um, uh, in like 2010, yeah, and that was another collaboration between these guys. So, uh, um, yeah. So then they had worked together a handful of times over the course of um, you know, 10, 15 years, and this just kind of made sense. We heard last week how much Tomas had a crush on Pharrell. <laughs> he was like, he's so attractive, he's so handsome, yeah. he's so <laughs> enigmatic, he's so, he's like everything you want. And um, to listen to Pharrell talk about Daft Punk over the course of the Random Access Memories run was like that was half like half the reason why this was such like a 
um, mystical record. It was just the way he was like he the robots. It. He was the hype man for the record. Absolutely, he was because they don't talk. So he was just you know the robots are everywhere. They're everything. They, they, they mean do, they, they're the no, soul of the world. Th- what they could do. Like, they're the blood of the world, and yeah. we're, I mean, we're 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 all, they're year, all servants. That year, 2013. So blurred lines, happy so and get lucky. That's he, an incredible. That's three year for years. Him. He is he is one of two people in the last 50 years of pop music to be uh, number one and number two on the Billboard chart at the same time. Yes. I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, uh, um, but I, it was some something in the 80s. But uh, it will ever, forever be a, uh, a thorn in my side that uh, Get Lucky never hurdled Blurred Lines. Blurred Lines stuck at one and Get Lucky stuck at two for like weeks and it never, it could never flop. He was having this kind of year. Yeah. And most of the press he was doing was hyping up the robots. Yeah. yeah but why would you, like, if you, if that was the year, why would you be like, Robin Thicke is the blood of the world? He's no, not he would like, hype himself. Yeah, you know, he could be yeah. in there being like, I'm crushing it this year. I'm doing this. I'm yeah. doing that. Instead, he gave credit to everybody else. Yeah. That's a very. Absolutely. That's a good way to live your life. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to go into his collaborators video next. I saw the robots at uh, a Madonna party, and they were just like, well, we're doing something, and we can't take our eyes off of it right now. And I was like, okay. I was like, but listen, whatever you're doing, just know that anything you guys need, I'm always there. If you just want me to play a tambourine, I'll do it. So the robots sort of reached out, and um, they kept trying to figure out when we were going to be in Paris. and so. Finally, I ended up in Paris. They were like, well, what have you been working on? And I played them some of the stuff that I had been working on. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of like in this Niles Rogers place right now. And they looked at each other. And I was like, what? You guys don't like that? And they were like, OK, so this is what we want you to write to. So they play it. Niles Rogers is actually playing in the track. It's crazy because, you know, on two sides of the Atlantic, we were both like in the same place. Like, let's go back to that magical time where music and the liveliness of music is what moved people. That is so cool. That's very that rocks. Cool. That's so. That's like you see that a lot, and I I feel that in my like comedy stuff that I work with, where it's just like you hit this thing where it's like, oh, we're on the same wavelength for this thing for this moment in time. And we've got to capture that, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it, it's just it's very cool when it snaps into focus like that. And uh, it, yeah, that's awesome. Because collaboration is a difficult thing, right? Yeah. If you're a musician and you know you can go in your house and produce hits, it's very you yeah. could just sit in your home studio and produce hits by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I think that's the difference. Again, we talked about that a second ago, with the, the, the you know, referencing the black keys. I mean, that's the difference. Collaboration, I think leads to new you know whereas non-collaboration is repetition of what yeah. you've perfected you know working with somebody else forces you to listen to them when they say hey what if on that you did this thing you know and then all of a sudden that can change the entire project trajectory yeah absolutely so i had heard this story before um pharrell was feeling under the weather when he was recording with them and they gave him some sort of like French herbal supplement. Yeah. <laughs> this is for telling yeah. this story. Because I was just so tired and so extremely jet lagged, they gave me this tablet that you put in water, you know, more on the holistic side, 
doesn't have like the crash or whatever. And they were explaining all this to me. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I take it. And as soon as I take it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, it was like burst of energy. But by the time I got on the plane back to America, I had forgotten everything. And still to this day, I can't figure out as is it, you know, was it really the jet lag or did the robot sort of hit me with the men in black? Like, <laughs> you will remember nothing after this. Uh, I, I had it at some point written down, but I can't find it. But it was it's some it's like it's like the French version of like horny goat weed or whatever. Some like energy thing that you're like taking. So did he, he name it by name? Not in that. No, it was like it was it's like. So I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's just some like it's not like medicine. It's just like some over the counter like herbal pill that you can take in France. And he, he was jet lagged. And he took it. And he was like, and then I didn't remember anything. That's very funny. And these are the guys that are like, these are the guys that are like, I stopped taking uh, MDMA when I was seventeen because of the way it affected my music, and they're just like, I'm suspicious. I'm curious of their relationship to psychedelics and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they so they 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 don't. They're grown ass. Sit down. They make psychedelic music. Yeah, they, I mean, even like again, Electroma. It's like that they, is a psychedelic are, movie. Yeah, they, but they but tell like, us whatever the, they tell us because that's yes. what they have to make as part of their reputation. Yeah. There's but very like before before the idea that like we're gonna control the narrative and everything when they're when they're making homework they're like they were like I stopped taking the drugs because I like to be in control of myself that's what that's what yeah, they but said, also you know? when you talk to if you're if you're part of this scene that the cops are shutting down for being drug yeah. party oh, yeah. people <laughs> yeah. you say no we don't no do we don't this. do that we don't encourage we, we don't encourage I mean, especially at it. a time where you're trying to they're trying to promote the scene at that yeah. point in their career too so like being on the forefront of that yeah, scene you don't when be... you know when New York's cracking down on raves yeah. and parties you say no that's not what it's about no in fact, we don't edge. do it and you know and and again there's. It could be 100% true. It could be 100% false. Or probably the, the reality is there's some compromise in yeah. the middle there, you know, um, which is it is very interesting when you hear stuff like that, though. Uh, I found it. It's called Guronsan or Guronsan. Uh, it's only available in France and Portugal. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. it. Uh, Guronsan it are effervescent tablets that are recommended for treating passing fatigue suitable for adults. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, um, you dissolve, dissolve it in water. It, you can take two tablets, one at, in the morning and one at noon. Uh, and then you have to you have to not take any for 16 hours Great. <laughs> if you take two. That makes sense. Uh yeah, uh it's just some some shit with some caffeine and some uh, glorosinamide in there, and it uh, gets you going. Anytime you're reading the ingredients to something and you can't pronounce them, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Absolutely, do it says do not take this after four p.m. There you go, you won't <laughs> sleep. They say do not take this after four p.m. So it's called Garonsan. It's only available in France and Portugal. Do not use as a substitute for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of sleep, right? Oh, like don't use it instead of sleep. Don't use it instead of sleep. <laughs> like you can't do. Don't this do a bender. Then. So they're saying, like, yeah, because I would assume that this is. You know what? I bet this the, is trucker stuff. I bet in France. I bet you like you you chug this at two a.m. at the rave. Yeah, like you your party you is like we can yeah, stay we gotta, up. Boom! It's that an alert. 
oh man, an alertness aid. Yeah, it's it's friggin' pet pills. <laughs> yeah. It's trucker pet pills is what it is. That's hilarious. <laughs> they just are like, hey, Pharrell, drink this. Oh, yeah, Pharrell. <laughs> That's if incredible. You're, if you're listening somewhere where you can Send get us this some. stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, tell us what it's like. But yeah, mail Send us. It. Mail it to us. We'll, get to, we'll, we'll find a P.O. box or something. <laughs> we'll do an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole episode. Just episode 22, Garon we'll Sand. episode, yeah. A episode. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Get Lucky. It just reminded me of like some kind of exotic island. Not sure if it was on this planet or not, but it just felt like a place where it was forever four in the morning. Because you're on an island, you could sort of see the sun rising and the sky is like, you know, that peachy color. I like that clip because it, it really reminded me of the way we talk about yeah. music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. It's just, it reminded me of being, uh, if it was a place where it was always four in the morning. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah, Pharrell. This music is very like, you know, it's beyond 3D. It's like 4D. It's in your mind. You don't need uh, MDMA for this music because the music is so incredibly vivid people lost respect for the groove everything is just so you know synthetic that like it doesn't really uh it's, it's just missing the gut people lost you guys respect for the groove you guys don't understand how much we talk like Pharrell yeah. does in these interviews. It's incredible that he's like, you don't need drugs to listen to this, but it took drugs for him to do it. <laughs> it took, so you don't you don't have to do drugs so to listen to this because I had to do drugs to two sing it. robots gave me fizzy water that kept me up for two days. But you don't you don't need to. I the the song did the drugs for you. <laughs> the song. Did That's what we said when we were watching Xanadu. We're like, it's like the <laughs> movie's doing the drugs. Yeah, for Xanadu you. is the is a movie that's doing the drugs for you. Absolutely. <laughs> People, people <laughs> lost respect. Uh, we've had, we lost we've, dancing. <laughs> we've been lost. The people lost respect us, for the people. Crew. Us, the three of us have been sitting around a fire at six in the morning, yelling. You know what? People have lost respect for the group. <laughs> we've had this conversation. No, we have. We have absolutely had this conversation. <laughs> you don't understand how often we have been. We have alienated our friends around us by talking about Daft Punk in the middle of the night. When it, when my, my, today I was this weekend I was with my extended family and talking to them about stuff and I was talking about shit and someone from across the backyard went Devin take a breath <laughs> <laughs> amen brother yeah amen even before last summer I, well before Daft Punk quit before before this was even this show was even like a nugget of an idea we were sitting up up north talking about Daft Punk at, around the fire, and I look across to our friends that don't have the same interest in this stuff as we do, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we've completely shut them <laughs> off from the conversation for the last 40 it's, minutes because they don't have anything to add, and why would they? Today I was, I, was working, I was working with my parents on something, and I kept being like, Mom, you got to hear this song. Listen to these sounds. And she was like, you just need to stop talking about this. Yeah. We need to just stop. Or like um, the last time I had just a bonfire with just me and my wife, I had the burp box out there and was listening and I would turn it up. I was like, yeah, listen to this one. And then she would, she would let it go for like 40 seconds and then she would try to like turn it down without me noticing. Yeah. 
The uh, be like, all right, but let, let's okay. Just for the next one, I know it's a little loud, but the neighbors aren't going to call the the, <laughs> the neighbors aren't going to call the police over one song. Just listen, <laughs> listen to Motherboard with me louder just listen to all the stuff going on in this and we got like half half a minute in and she's like yeah i okay i get it i get it okay can we please turn it down what do i have to what words do i have to say to you to make you stop making me listen (laughs) to this pretty much much. what's the correct thing for me to say that you'll turn it off yeah again in the car this weekend i said (laughs) some factoid about daft punk and again she was like cool like the most supportive, least interested thing she could possibly yeah. say. She's awesome, but she could not give him a shit. <laughs> and she just like tolerates me nerding out <laughs> about this stuff. Somewhere outside of the ether that we exist in is a multitude of realms of possibility and alternate directions. And I think they just went in those libraries and just dusted off those things. It's kind of like the mid 70s, early 80s of a different universe and dimension, not of this one. It couldn't have come in a better year. It's like 2013, where everything is completely different. Things are not in a box in the way that they used to be. And if they are, it's kind of like, that's like the corniest thing ever. Like, please don't talk to me. I don't want to catch a mentality. Like, that's what this music is to me. This music represents like the freedom of like, all human beings. Hell yeah. The soul snatchers coming to snatch our souls from the club or whatever. He talks like that all the time. He's like, yeah, he really ether, does. in yeah. a different ether than we exist in the universe. Yeah. This is the disco of a different. He's like full time. Yeah. Just like this isn't 3D music. Like, this is 4D. This is 4D, yeah. and it's in your brain. And he's full time yeah. like that. He's people lost respect for the groove. Yeah, he's, he's just a really like, heady dude. He uh he talks the same way in that Daft Punk Unchained documentary too. Where specifically, there's a segment where he's talking about what he's lost because of fame and how he's envious of the fact that they can walk down and get coffee and shit. And the way, yeah, he's just like, he's, there's a certain level of artist where you're just, your brain interprets information differently and you can just yeah. wax philosophically. You know what else? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. He got married in 2013 too. So like 2013 was big year. Big year. Big year. Yeah. He got married and he had three gigantic. Hits. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, I think he, he's probably the biggest single star of the world in that in that year yeah. you know yeah that was, that was the year of the big hat yeah the, <laughs> that was. was the year of the big hat it was that was a big hat like the legend of he the saw Phoenix. he saw the dance punk and all their shit and he's like i gotta do something theatrical and it was a big hat <laughs> what if he had pulled it down and put eye holes and he just became the big about hat that. what if he became the big hat like, like pharrell's gone <laughs> And he it, just there's wears, a cause, isn't there an accident. He comes out. Isn't there a Cosby yeah, there kid there from is. the cartoon yeah. who just is a yeah. hat? That's, he comes out to an interview. Funny. There was an accident at the studio, <laughs> the and hat I'm, a hat. I'm a hat now. I'm a hat now. <laughs> yeah, a hat blew up on my head. No, Mr. Hat. I don't have any memories from pre-hat. Where do they go from here, you think? Up. That's where they belong. We're lucky to hang out on the planet. They could just get back on the spaceship that brought them here and go and leave us. But they're gracious. They're nice robots. They chose to stay. <laughs> He's full time like that. Yeah. He is and like he, that. So we had so much fun listening to the clips from the Discovery interviews where they were fully on board to play with, about the robots. Yeah. 
you know? And that is one part of their thing that they have lost over the years. They don't really talk about the robot thing. They don't they don't they never kept developing like the robot backstory. They were just like, that's what it is now. Once random access memories came around and, and you know, they had for years had lost interest in that whole thing. Pharrell took it up and ran yeah. with it around yeah. this time. Even he was like, like Niall kept referring to him as the robot. Yeah, that's, that's all. That all started with Pharrell. Yeah. Pharrell, throughout the whole thing, he would never call them Tomas or Gimon, and he really wouldn't say Daft Punk. He would just say the, the robots. robots, and it became this kind of thing. And and then he would say shit like this, like they could go up and take off in their spaceship wherever they came from. And like like he just yeah. like that's he very, wanted that's the mystical. The way thing. he mythologizes it is very fun because last time they had the reins on what the robots are, they melted those faces in the sun <laughs> and shit and electroma. Yeah, and like it's a, yeah, it's like grim. Yeah. It's like them trying no, to die in I a think, bathroom I in the think desert. It really yeah. is. It really is. So this is now a full what eight years after that, right? Yeah. Um, and we. It was hard sometimes. Listen, like they were really going through something at that point, and they were not happy. They didn't make happy art, uh, and they never they never explained what the personal life stuff was. But they would make reference to it, like we were going through something at the time. All of this was happy, and they enjoyed the work they did, and they were enjoying the people they got to work with. And by this point, they both have kids, and their their you know their personal life, whatever it is, they don't let us in on that. But they have they're with people, they you know, they have families, yeah. they have loved ones, they have kids, they're working with their heroes, they're working with peers, um, they're talking about how incredible the studio experience was throughout th- this whole record. Like this is the happiest they've been in ten years. I mean, I think <laughs> you know, it's they, a, a they're having of... a great time and they're making great music and it's I a, love it. It sounds like a combination of of both happy and free. You know, I think that there's an element of the like. I I, I do think that you we can't stress enough how liberating not having to prove anything to anyone but themselves and realizing they have, you know, they they never have to do anything again in their yeah. entire lives. At this point, they're already legends, right? They're already going to go down in history, and this is this is what they want to make from that perch or whatever, totally. and that's very cool. So that's the Pharrell one. Cool. Hell yeah. Uh, We're talking about Panda Bear from Animal Collective. Mm. Fundamentally, some of the most opposite things from robots. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> yeah, Panda animals. Bears are opposite of, of robots. Uh, you know what? Why don't, we, why don't we start with this first clip here? It's confusing that there's Panda Bear in Animal Collective, but then the rest of them aren't animals. Geologist is a type of animal. <laughs> yeah, because it's a person. Yeah, and humans are animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an AV tear, an avatar is like... A picture of a person, which is another animal. Yeah, but they could be like panda bear and goldfish and worm or whatever. Yeah. They could have been. A lot <laughs> of those animals are <laughs> three definitive animals: panda bear, goldfish. A lot of those were already taken by other people. Yeah. With Animal Collective, I feel like the names and the masks in the beginning were a way to let the music happen in a natural way without feeling like it was really us up there. The more I sit with the song, the more I kind of want to hide what's really going on or. I feel like often I'll I'll change lyrics or change the sound of the voice so that uh, it's a little bit harder to decipher that that feeling. You know, I could talk to somebody after the show and it was like 
I could talk about what happened up there, but it wasn't really me. He sounds like an incredibly awkward person. He, they're art school guys from Baltimore. <laughs> I think that's a very prescient thing because yeah. that is such a close relationship to what Daft Punk does. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? The there's masks, a, the removal. There's that the photo removal. of him from when he's like 17 in a Daft Punk shirt, like a homework era yeah. Daft Punk shirt. That totally makes sense. I was so psyched uh, when that came out that this guy was working on yeah. Random Access Memories. I love Animal Collective. Um, some of their early stuff is impenetrable to me. I still. got into Animal Collective. There was a podcast in the, in the nascent days of podcasting in like 2005 that would just send you a different song every day. And they sent me Winter's Love from Sung Tongs in 2005. Yeah. I was in middle school and I loved it. Yeah. And I downloaded Sung Tongs and there's some good songs on there and there's some really noodly garbage. Yeah. And it, it was... I was very into it, but also like this is really weird yeah. music. Yeah. I think Strawberry Jam is the first full record where I was like, this whole thing is incredible, yeah. top to bottom. Uh, um, and uh, they're a great live band. And I, I cannot hear the track that they just played, uh, uh, My Girls, uh, yeah. off of uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah. I cannot hear that uh, that album and not see light sunlight shining through the yeah. woods on on our our the other, uh, part of the reason trip. I let that play is because I wanted to get that in there. Because when that was being played out at the beginning, it was because it was before the album. It was called House, and I everyone thought it was called House because it sounded like that. That intro sounds like the Jamie Principal, Frankie Knuckles. It's your a, love. Yeah, it's Frankie. It, yeah, it's, it's that Frankie same Knuckles. thing. And it sounds like it sounds like a house song, but yeah. it's also a song about buying a house for your wife and daughter. And then yeah. they changed the name to My Girls, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because I remember like watching the videos of that on YouTube. I don't know. I would. I would love to. Because I, I don't know if they've ever. Is it? Is that is that from the Frankie Knuckles song, or did they just is it parallel thinking? I, I don't think know. it is. It's I, the I, same. It is the same thing. I've got some stuff from the just an oral history of the band. Yeah. Um. Av Tear was like Brian and I discovered really early in our friendship that we had a mutual interest in horror films. Yeah. We had this night where we got snowed in and opted to watch The Shining, which Brian had never seen. We had also taken some mushrooms and the Wendy Carlos soundtrack with the dark synths and the delay and the vocals going crazy in the background just blew us away. Totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Panda Bear saying Brian Eno's music for airports is something that made an impression um, as a teenager as far as what you might call psychoelectronic music. <laughs> that and Aphex Twin really changed the course of my musical life. There's something really psychedelic about how repetition to me can induce a trance-like state. Absolutely. Right. I get that, man. Psychedelic <laughs> techno. Yeah. What's, repetition, so, baby. Yeah. We talked about... Devin, you and I talked about this. I had this realization the other day that what I love about his voice uh, is very – his voice is so similar to Brian Wilson. Yeah. It's so similar, and I didn't hear it until recently, and now I can't yeah. hear it. But it's like that amazing vo vocal style that he has on top of the things that we like about yeah. trance and, and, solo, and electronic his sounds. His solo record from a couple years ago that begins with a B. Yeah. Do you remember which one it is? I, I can't remember. the name of it. People kept talking to him about it. They're like, "This sounds like pet sounds." Oh, really? See, I didn't even I didn't even yeah. realize that was something that people I, talked yeah. about. I didn't that's... either. I found that I found that today when I was looking it up. Oh, that's I was awesome. Like, oh, Darren. Has yeah, because I mentioned that like me. two weeks ago to you. That's fucking awesome. Um, geologist in this thing said, "No, uh, Panda Bear's name is he's Noah. the weirdest one." I think yeah. we can all say like his his solo his stuff. Music is very weird. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, Noah is Panda Bear. 
Noah's interest in the orb and Daft Punk didn't mesh with the rest of us right away. We were <sighs> dropping acid and listening to Silver Apples Hell and Interstellar yeah. o- Overdrive and early Pink Floyd and stuff. Uh, Vashti Bunyan. It's very interesting that, that he he's has one. always had the brain for this stuff. And yeah. when you listen to their solo stuff, his is the danciest. And A.V. Terrors is more like guitar driven stuff. And Geologist is just this like weird, noisy, swoy, noisy wall. That's a good segue into this next uh, clip. There was an Animal Collective album where we wanted to do a remix of one of the songs and we really wanted them to do one. They said they, did, they don't really do that kind of thing anymore. I asked them again when I did a solo album a couple of years after that. Just I figured it was worth a shot. They said they don't do that kind of thing anymore. <laughs> but maybe they'd be interested in doing something together. And then it was maybe a year and a half after that, they asked if, I, if I'd come to Paris and work on something. That's so cool. It's in so many other instances yeah. of what's going on here, it's Daft Punk reaching out to their heroes. Yeah. And this is like, he reached out to them a few times. They're yeah. like, no, no. What if we work together? And at some point, if I'm not mistaken, at some point, they let it be known that they wanted, they would like to remix a Daft Punk thing. And, and that, yeah, Daft that's Punk, what he was saying. Yeah. He was like, the, we, we, we want to remix it. And can you, re- uh, they, yeah, at a certain point, they said, them something said do you want to yeah. remix something of ours or can we remix something yeah. of yours and it, it was no on yeah. either side and then at a certain point this we'll get into it again next week but this was the last thing they recorded for the record too so like everything else was done and it, it is a different sound it's a different era like this th- it, it doesn't sounds like him it doesn't know? stick out it doesn't stick out from the record but it is it's a different recording technique. This is the only fully digital song on the record. There's no, there's no, like, there's no um, guitars. There's no actual instruments. I, I mean, I just this is. And, we'll get into track to track, but this is this is hands down one of my favorite tracks on the album. I love his I, his voice. It's so good. Tonally is interesting. Yeah, but it's also rhythmically. Yeah, inter- like let's uh, let's do the next clip. For better or for worse, everything I do is is rhythmic. There was a point really early on when I was first starting to play drums that I realized I was never going to be able to like technically be super good. So I thought I would try to focus on making rhythms that really suited the music or try to complement whatever was going on with the, the rest of the sound recognizing that you might not have the technical proficiency to do something, but that you can build the grooves is something that all of random access memories is about. Yeah. yeah. That was the foundation of the record, right? They were, they were trying to do stuff and they said, what if we got Niall to do this instead? Yeah. Cause we can't, we can't do it the way we wanted to, or the way that they would hum something to Omar Hakim yeah. and let him do it. And in this instance, it's like, they aren't going to be able to sing yeah. in that way that he does, but they can bring him in and he can do that. Yeah. And it's, that's yeah. very cool. I saw, I saw Animal Collective the summer after Meriwether Post Pavilion came out, and they didn't play My Girl because I I, like they're they're in a lot of and a lot of the same way that um, that Daft Punk is always trying to subvert expectations or whatever. They they were like, yeah, this is our biggest hit, and guess what? We're not gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna noodle around and jam out like we always do in our live shows. Uh, we'll play a 20-minute version of Brother Sport or whatever yeah. for you, and we, we're not going to play the big ones. And one of my friends that 
my what I've never seen one of my friends that I was with as mad at the end of it. She was like, she was like the whole walk home. She was like, I can't fucking like, like I, uh, I how did they not like, oh, like what, what, what would they even be thinking? Like, why wouldn't they? I had a great this, time. This, this, was is an awesome first, show. this is the first concert we went to. Yes, Panda Bear. Panda Bear. Uh, yeah. uh, when we had we when uh, Devin and I were mere acquaintances, we, we to, went to a Panda, Panda Bear, Bear show. That's a, that's absolutely right. Yeah, uh, it'd be funny if he played his episode of the Collaborators live at the show. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he, he just rehearses all this stuff. <laughs> I know that I know that Pharrell has done certain live renditions of Get Lucky before. Not oh, not a ton, but he has done it. I would be interested to know if. If Panda Bear ever played, uh, played this song, or live. even a, even just like a like a part, of, you yeah. know, like it would be one that you could throw his like chorus yeah. in, you know, the middle of one Todd of those Edwards twenty minute things. We'll will play face to face and he'll sing. sing it live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I saw Rick Ross, he sang just some of his guest verses from songs, and he would only do that that minute of the song before they moved on. Yeah, I mean that that's <laughs> like I, I've seen Jay Z a bunch of times, and he'll do that too. He'll yeah. do his verses, his like notable verses off of other songs, and even his own songs that have you know three yeah. different ra- three different rappers on a verse. I mean, so it is common for yeah. for people to do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. Next one is. Um, the the most out of left field collaborator Man, on the thing I, I think I, Chili I, Gonzalez. I folks. thought that until hearing this man talk and hearing no, this so man talk, I can get like I, watching him talk about music. Like I could see him and uh, Tomas being best friends. Oh, they, so they're they, <laughs> like, are, they like, are they are close yeah. friends the, musically. They could not be farther apart. Of right. the music they produce. So um, uh, there's a clip on YouTube of this like one man show that Chili Gonzalez put together where he was like playing piano stuff uh, and doing like this one man to- uh, thing. Yeah. And it was like a limited run show. Yeah. And Tomas did the robot. Did, Tomas came and did a guest yeah. spot in the one man show where he was the robot. And and Tomas was like, yeah, I'll come do it. And he did it for like the week or whatever that the show was on. And he came out every night. He was in a lab coat and the Daft Punk helmet. And people were like, whoa, how, where'd you get that Daft Punk helmet? And he was like, no, that was that was actually Daft Punk. It's crazy. So he's another one. So his real name's Jason Charles Beck. He's another one who is he's you know he's born in the early seventies. He's so today he's he's what he's fifty or I'm sorry forty forty nine. So he's he's that same age range. They're which all is, the same age. Yeah, right? they're Pharrell, all they're all Chili, that similar Daft age, uh, which is interesting. Uh, he's based out of uh, so Chili Gonzalez is his stage name. He's based out of uh, Germany. Um, you know he's he's mostly known outside of uh, outside of his work with Daft Punk here. He's known for collaborations with Feist and Drake. Uh, and also he uh, he produces as Octave Minds. That's him plus Boys Noise uh, is Octave Minds, which is pretty cool. Uh, he does a bunch of uh, stuff on uh, BBC Radio 1, on uh, a- a- Beats 1, Apple Music's Beats 1, blah, 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 blah. He does a bunch of these broadcast web series uh, that are very cool. Um, but he, uh, he was an alternative rock guy in the 90s. Uh, I think his band got to a moderate level of success where they were like opening for bare naked ladies. Uh, he left Canada, moved to Berlin, declared himself. I don't know what this means. Uh, what does this mean? Andy, he wow. declared himself president of the Berlin underground who and adopted the stage name <laughs> Chili Gonzalez who in 99. What does that mean? No, it doesn't mean anything. Um, exactly. You can say whatever you want. In, uh, in, in 2004, he switched from that alt, uh, alt alternative rock yeah. sound to, um, instrumental music, uh, 
piano specifically you can hear him play in some of these clips he is a phenom yeah. if i've ever heard one absolutely um and you know and and from there uh he continued to develop his sound and and produce and, and song wrote for other artists with with folks like peaches uh and, and a bunch of others um so he's uh he is a, he's a piano guy uh and he talks about that a lot um there's a um so this isn't the first time uh, that they have uh, worked with him. Um, play, uh, play that second clip of mine, just a reminder. Too long, can you feel it? The so weirdest part of the Daft weirdest Club. part of Daft Club is the Chili Gonzalez uh, where, where cover this, of with, um, with, where this crazy party uh, record screeches to a halt. So they do guy Richard <laughs> Cheese or whatever. Yeah, dude, it's wild. And at that it's time, really weird. At that time, he wasn't even Chili Gonzalez. Yeah. He was just going by Gonzalez back then. Okay, uh, which is why that's the other thing he's credited as Gonzalez. So they also like also proof that they've known each other for a long time. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah that, I don't know. I don't know when or where they cross paths, but. Tomas and Chili Gonzalez obviously they are, like each other. They like each other and they think a lot. Yeah. They they think a lot of like play uh hit that uh clip three for me. I mean I can I can only speak for myself that I work well when I am um in a joyful challenge. I have a feeling that Daft Punk enjoys joyful challenge as well. Um, to, to see the looks on their faces as they listened back to some of the recordings they had done when I was in the studio, um, the raw recordings of some of the session musicians, and, and to see that joy on their face, and at the same time say, oh yeah, we're at the beginning of a, at least a two or three year process now. Um, there you have it. You have the joy and you have the challenge. So I, I'm pretty sure they, they like to put those two ideas together also. So I noticed in, um, in this collaborator video in in and in researching him he speaks a lot more like he's talking about a, a work than he's talking about you know the 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 fun or the theory of of disco or the stories or, or whatever he's he's he speaks a lot more in the terms of uh, you know technical musicianship and then the idea of the the project more so than the zoomed out version of of the the whole thing um which is kind of cool um and again will you know it, it seems to me uh you know like you had said left field this seems yeah. left field and then hearing him talk um it, it's cool it, it's cool to hear him talk about harmony in i this mean way. like the the way Daft Punk swung for the fences on Random Access Memories, what his contribution to this record is beautiful, and it it just it hits right at the exact perfect moment. Yeah, and like so, he, so check yeah. this. So, so he talks a little bit about about, about specifically what Daft Punk wanted from him. Yeah, uh, which is um, he 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 recognizes that his what he loves are, is the science of of harmony, um, and he talks a little bit about. Um, it's I mentioned it earlier that how the most scientific and mathematical part of music for him is harmony, yet it creates the most real emotion. I'm looking to fulfill my my specific musical function, um, which has to do mostly with harmony. Harmony is still an underused musical weapon these days in the pop landscape. It has the most strong emotional reaction. Um, despite the fact that there's so much science and math involved in it. And yet it's, it's largely the thing that will often make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up involuntarily. So uh, 
it's it's cool to hear him talk about harmony that oh, yeah. way. Um, but check this out. Are there any favorite sort of harmonies of the Daft Punk career and anything that you want to play? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's... classic harmony that kind of never resolves. That's a good example of taking a, a piece of a chord progression that is uh, much, much longer in its original form and they just sample the part that um, begs an answer that never comes. And so you, you get this wonderful feeling of suspended harmony that never resolves. Yeah, I, I yeah. I like say, same thing, we talked about it on our discovery episode, same thing with like the one more time one where yeah. they flip up. So, so what, like the heart, like the wave of that sample latches into the, yeah. the next iteration of the sample and it never stops. Yeah. He, like, he it just, latches yeah. onto these ideas of harmony. You yeah. know, it's like what he's articulating something that they would never articulate. Right. Too. And digital yeah. love, like it does, it feels, yeah. it feels like you're floating, it feels happy, and why? Chili Gonzalez knows why. Right. He knows why because it is a suspended harmony that never resolves, and that is what he's saying earlier when he's like, "Harmony is underutilized in pop music," because he he knows that is why he's here. Yeah. Um. This this next clip I'm gonna play is long, but it is something that has made me think more than 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 a musician talking uh, in, in recent history. Uh, play this. One of the main specific uh, things they asked me to do was to um, build a musical bridge between a block of songs that were in A minor and there was another block of tracks that are in B flat, minor and or major. The first three tracks are all based on the A minor. And uh, this leads through till the end of the Marauder track, which is basically... And we had to end up for the chord progression of within, which is track number four, which is this. So I had to look for a common chord which can exist safely in the A minor world of the first three tracks, but also has a function in the B flat minor of the next batch. So the, the F chord is what I chose. So coming out of the Marauder, Classic musical bait and switch. Fuck yeah. That is one of my favorite moments on this entire album. And again, I can't articulate why. Why does it feel... That's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And to have the, you know... Chili Gonzalez, I, I want to hear more about his brain and look, and I'm going yeah. to, but to, yeah. to he wrote see... a book about Enya and how much he loves Enya. Really? And I, he wrote I saw a that. Book. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He wrote a book about he... his childhood love of Enya, and I <laughs> I'm I really like Enya. I just saw that on his Wikipedia page. I need to read that now because I agree. of this. I you know? wrote a book about Enya yeah, I mean, last year. This <laughs> guy, this, I, I think he's touring uh, also right now, which is or starting a tour. I will go see him for sure. Yeah. But like it, again, this is. 
a testament yeah. to Daft Punk's recognizing that they they need a guy who's going <laughs> to know that. that. Not, well, uh, they know that. I mean, too. they they know they that know too. That but too. like, so, uh, but but them working together, I I I think it's a testament to the construction of an album, right? Instead of songs that they were really fighting for against. them to recognize. We have three songs in a minor, yeah. and we want the next ones in. Yes. The, yeah. Can you find a bridge? Like that's why last night I sent you guys something, and I'm like I. <clears throat> I'm playing around with these things because something I was working on is an E minor, and this new thing I'm working on is also an E minor. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't even occur to me to like, yeah, to like it's like I choose the key because that's where I land on a little, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, riff or whatever that I'm having fun with. Right. It's not like I'm choosing the key and then structuring a bunch of other things yeah, in yeah. accordance with just that. Like, like you listen to that song and it's this beautiful little noodly start to it. You, you're I, my brain, my brain's not locked into like music theory enough to to understand what he just articulated. Yeah. but it's a beautiful transition into it. That that's them thinking about this as a piece of work yes. instead of song by song. Right. right? And there, that's part of the entire mission I mean, of this if, thing if, is specifically moments like that. Yes. We're making a piece of art, not just a collection of songs. That's one of the moments that, that if it wasn't there, you wouldn't know that you miss it. Right. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. one of those moments that makes it a transcendent album instead of a bunch of, amazing tracks i mean i think and this album is littered with them yeah um these things that make its pieces greater than the, it's some greater than its pieces um and and so i i am very uh i i loved looking uh looking at the chili gonzalez one and i'm gonna go out on on my side with him with with him talking uh just just listen to what he says about this last clip they're a very warm familiar group despite their mysterious image every musician um, feels an emotional connection to them. And we always have the feeling that they're ahead of us. They don't really need any help. And so when they ask for help, it's because they're at such a high level and so advanced and have such a good self-awareness, which you have to have to operate on that level, um, that you can ask for help for certain details that are going to... Uh, make the work be transcendent oh yeah oh chili i do i do like um how many artists how many big name musicians say things like that about them like yeah they're they're ahead of us they set the tone they you know they set the trends um because in a lot of ways it's true yeah. Uh, next up is me again, DJ Falcon. We've talked about him in a bunch of different episodes at this oh, point. Yeah. Um, he is an old time friend of the boys. And I've actually used the clip. Uh, this is the only one of these collaborator videos that I've uh, that has made an appearance uh, um, in our episodes already. I used a clip from his collaborators episode. Um because uh, in the in the Crydemore and Roulet episode of our podcast, uh, they're they are old time friends, and uh, uh, I used the clip where uh, DJ Falcon and Tomas their birthdays are they have like neighbor birthdays, 
So um, Tomas and DJ Falcon hung out together uh, like on midnight between their birthdays. And that's where uh, so much love to give came from. Just yeah. them hanging out in Tomas's bedroom. <laughs> uh, and they, they put up, together that song which is like one of the biggest roulette tracks uh ever together so uh dj falcon was the first non-tomas release on on roulette um he is part of the french touch revolution he knows all those people he was part of that whole scene in the, the 90s french touch revolution is where they cut off let them eat touch cake or whatever yeah, they yeah. Let, let them, them touch let cake, them touch cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love i love Guy jean bell jean bell dunst in that movie about the french guiman valvan guiman valvan i stole some bread or whatever <laughs> yeah hell yeah um um uh, so he was a um, roulette guy. Um, he did a bunch of cool releases on there. And then he's worked with um, the boys in a bunch of different capacities uh, behind the scenes over the years. He was the official tour photographer on Alive 2007. And if you out there have the deluxe edition of the Alive 2007 release on vinyl, um, please send it to me. And <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, uh, if you have it out there, you have – the fantastic um, photo book that was included in that. Those are all photos um, taken by DJ Falcon. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's just listen to a couple of things that uh, he has to say. Since the first album, they were already, uh, I think, considered as, as both special. You know, they're like, whoa, there's something going on here. Whatever uh, you listen, it always sounds Daft Punk. You always recognize when there's Daft Punk. You always recognize when it's that fun. You do. Um, he, this is interesting because he's just like, he's the one that's known them since they were kids. So he's got some interesting things to say about their early years like this. Pedro, also known as Busy P, used to be their manager. And as a kid, we were just, you know, like best friend, skateboarding together and everything. And um, he organized a party in uh, Paris, something like 93, like when we were like 17, 18. Then this is how he met uh, Thomas and uh, Giman. They were just starting their uh, their project, their first album, Homework. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we covered that in the, the earlier episodes. We did. Um, uh, but yeah, um, so, so I'm going to fast forward to now. Um, so they invited him back to work with them for the first time, like musically in a couple years. Um, and he, uh, he works on the closing track contact, which is a track that had been kind of been tossing around with, uh, in Tomas's head for years as a collaboration with DJ Falcon. Uh, but this is specifically about the intro to the song. I think this album is really rich. They're doing so much art and passion, and 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 uh, and the result for me is just uh, brilliant. We're in the studio in Paris. Spent like three days working on it, and it was pretty obvious that we needed to add like a countdown or, or something like this. I think uh, Thomas went like, okay, if we need a space element, let's just call the NASA, you know, let's just go for it. So they, they called the, the NASA and they responded, were like super positive. They were really excited. They were like, yeah, that's going cool, you know. And so 
Thomas and Giman, they, they had access all those recording from a mission. Can you imagine <laughs> if you were some dweeb from NASA and you got a call from Daft Punk and asking if you could use recordings? What's really cool, too, and I, I think this is well after RAM, is since then NASA has put That's all, all of this out. on SoundCloud for yeah. people to use. Yeah. And it's, it's hugely I wonder sampled if, by I people wonder if I wonder if this is one of the launching points for that. Oh, no I'm sure I, I would I would almost if, yeah. if, if it was not in the works before this absolutely started there their, because their talk. nasa benefits from a public interest yeah. in space and science and, and i mean yeah. getting realizing they could get in the zeitgeist of the public mind again yeah. you know you see a lot of nasa samples in in dj stuff and produce yeah. stuff now because it is fair fair game to sample i yeah. mean they say sample it use yeah. it we paid for it with our tax we dollars. have yeah yeah so we deserve it i mean that's that's I mean, literally they what they say i mean yeah. that's literally what it says you, I those, wonder, those folks didn't because they, they didn't pay they didn't pay a dime of taxes. but i paid here. a lot of taxes in the I, 60s. I, I, i'm paying a lot of ta taxes in french and i don't know why i'm paying so many french taxes and they're not paying a <laughs> lick of american tax um i took a, a clip out of this um but uh, uh, he was talking about how when they were all teenagers or whatever, they had they all had nicknames for each other. I God, I wish he would have said what Tomas and Guimans were, but he didn't. His was Bob for some reason in their friend group. Yeah. They would just call him Bob. Um, That's what my niece calls my dad. My dad's name's Ken, and yeah, she, she knows that. She still calls him Bob. <laughs> Ken and Bob. Yeah. Both equally easy. I to say, say, what's Bob's name? She'll say Ken. <laughs> cool. What's Bob's name? Ken. Cool. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's very uh, funny. But he he goes out. He says that the reason that Tomas snapped up when he heard the the interview that they ended up using was because one of the astronauts' names is Bob in yeah. that clip. But it's very funny because because he's talking about like there's something out there like. It's so perfect, and it sounds like there's aliens or whatever yeah. in the clip. But the the thing that made his ears perk up was just the one of the astronauts saying, "Hey Bob, what do you see out there?" Yeah, that's it's Bob. Wild. It's Bob. I have some. I have a couple friends who call me Meg for some reason. I don't remember. Of the big shark. No, but they. <laughs> but when that movie came out, they yeah. kept sending pictures of like that thing. Yeah, and it's like that's the kind of thing. It's like you have something from some reason some years ago, and it's like yeah, you get a text when a movie called The Meg comes out. <laughs> oh, he said Bob. He said yeah. Bob like you. You know, <laughs> I'm just waiting for a movie called Dipshit to come out. <laughs> uh, all right, here's another cool clip. I think the way they create stuff and enjoying having all those behind the scenes story that people don't know, of course, because they never really do interview. But I think some all people can, can feel that, that it's just more than just music. Daft for me, they're really uh, apart, you know? They're really, they're really different because when you listen to their their first album, they pick up from different styles of music. There, there, was, there was not always one direction, one style, you know? Uh, you could feel like a lot of different influence. And I remember back in the days, we were like listening to uh, Niels Roger, uh, uh, you know, uh, project and, and everything. We were like sampling or, you know, but now you can sample uh, uh, those new track on the new album like we used to on the Neil Roger, Chic or whatever. And, um, and it's, it's really cool to see this uh, evolution. Yeah. Which is a, a, a stated goal that they had said at some point that like we want to make an album that people can sample, mm -hmm. you know, and that yeah, that's DJ Falcon. 
so next, uh, next we're moving on. Uh, we're moving on to Paul Williams, the Muppet Man himself, the Muppet Man himself, the Muppet uh, Man. So he's uh, he's another 1940 guy. So he's uh, Giorgio Moroder age, not uh, the same age as the the, the rest of yeah, the, the folks. An ancient tiny, not man. the 70s folks. He's a uh, born in 1940 folk. Uh, so he is uh, American composer, singer, songwriter, and actor, um, known for uh, all kinds of stuff. He did. Three Dogs Night stuff. Uh, he did uh, David Bowie's Fill Your Heart. Uh, he did The Carpenters We've Only Just Begun. Um, he wrote the score and the lyrics for Bugsy Malone. He did the Muppet movies. Uh, he was Oscar nominated for Rainbow Bugsy Connection. Malone, incredibly weird film. Yeah, yeah, very weird. Yeah, uh, this guy's uh, a gangster film, a gangster musical with children. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a weird movie. That's Paul, Paul Williams is involved in a lot of weird stuff. That's yeah. that's a, a theme for him. Uh, what but, if we wrote a gangster movie? But what if they sang? But what if everybody was kids? Um, so most uh, no, notably, uh, we've mentioned Phantom of the Paradise. We'll talk more about it. Uh, but he was the evil villainous Swan uh, in Phantom of the Paradise, which you know that's the film that, that I told inspired my mom the helmet. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise yeah. and I was explaining what it was and I was like yeah with Paul Williams and she went little Paul Williams yeah little Paul Williams he got a Oscar nomination LBW uh, for that uh, for that uh, that score did you know that yeah uh, which is uh, that's cool yeah. uh, but he's been uh, since then he's been the, the president and chairman of the American Songwriting Society ASCAP uh, is what he's doing now he's also notably uh, he's 23 that's, uh, that's, that's the guy who calls U- all the bars UCB show yeah right? uh, he's uh, he's, uh, he's notably 23 20 at, uh, at the time he was 23 years sober at the time of that Ram. so that's that's pretty cool too so he did have a uh he talks a lot about it in these uh, in the collaborator video how his uh, i think uh his his quote is he was much better at uh i don't remember what the words he used uh, showing up uh, but he talks about being an addict of, for fame um on top of obviously drugs and stuff and that's its own thing too right and, and i think what's what's really cool is um in these uh in this here check out this one clip there's a bit of a connection based on my conversations with these two wonderful gentlemen to the a film called phantom of the paradise where they i think the sense of the mask and working behind the mask may have been born as somebody who became very much addicted to the attention i became better at showing off than showing up You know, I did 48 Tonight Shows. I remember six. I don't think there's anything more pathetic than some little old man going, please, sir, may I have some more fame, you know. On that level, I love that they choose to be anonymous. I am deeply respectful of somebody who who expresses their craft and their art without the hunger for the public attention. They disconnect who they are to allow you to experience what they create. Man, Paul Williams gets that. That is incredible. I mean, The Tonight Show at the time was watched by all of America. All of America. If you were on it 48 times, everyone in America knew who you were. I mean, that's, I mean, again, he is a name that, like, earlier we jokingly laugh about ask somebody older than us. Like, my parents know right away when I say Touch featuring Paul Williams. They're like, yeah, Yeah. Paul Williams? Uh, Truly, when I'm, like, fan of the Paradise, my mom's like, little Paul Williams? Yeah. He's, like, from The Tonight Show? My dad's, like, the blonde guy from that weird movie or whatever. Like, everybody knows who he is. It's wild. That's a long Um, way. That's a long uh, way from talking about Daft Punk as some stadium act from France. Right. (laughs) Between the first time he publicly talked about Daft Punk to now... 
he gets it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. I think he does get it. Um, That's really funny. And what else is cool? We talked about the the locations uh, and how they chose. Um, listen to him talk about the Henson Studio here in this next clip. You know, one of the great things about working on this album is that we worked on it at at the Henson Studio. The Henson Studios was A and M Records. I was a contract writer at A&M Records. I made albums for A&M Records. I made albums instantly that my, even my family didn't buy, but they were really important to me. I remember stepping out of this studio, going across the hall and getting Joni Mitchell, Jackson Brown, uh, four or five giants in the industry, and getting them to come in and sing background on a song of mine called Out in the Country. But it was also, it's the Jim Henson studio. And I have, you know, I wrote all the songs for, you know, for the Muppet movie, Muppet Christmas Carol. The, you know, I have that, that whole history. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. So uh, that, uh, it, it's cool to hear him talk about that. Uh, and again, um, you know, it, it, it is it's awesome to see Daft Punk again, you know, putting these artists and themselves in these settings that are legendary. They're yeah. legendary for what was created there. Like, uh, uh, like Nasa, the ghosts in this, the room that are there with, with, with them. Um, it's, 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 it's cool to, uh, to see that. Um, that's why they recorded all of Tron in the room inside with, an arcade inside of an arcade cabinet. <laughs> actually, say, in the room with Walt Disney's frozen body. <laughs> yeah, no, that works too. Um, so there's a couple more things that I um, there's a couple more things that I really enjoyed uh, about uh, Paul Williams and this collaborator, uh, Andy Pike, uh, number five. The first thing we talked about was like, who, who am I writing for? And what we talked about was an unidentified first person. In other words, we don't know if this is an alien, if this is some creature waking up, coming out of a coma, experiencing life as if it was for the first time. And we never really identified totally who that person was. But, but again, we identified the emotions. But then the specifics of the lyric came out of the, out of the music. I mean, their music is, that's a gorgeous melody. Ba ba da dee da 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 dee da 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 dee da 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 da. I mean, for guys that are famous for techno pop, whatever this is, elegant, beautiful composition, and it touched me. If I ever, if I ever start producing music, I think I, I think that might be my artist name. Yeah, <laughs> just techno pop. I think um, so I love these guys. He's techno a, he's a grown ass adult man with grandkids and shit. He's like so far removed from this. Yeah, yeah he really is. He but really also, is. I think because of that. He does give us a little bit of a window into the process there yeah. that we don't really get that much. Yeah, which who is, who am I writing? For who now? am I writing for? It's never defined. Boom! That's something revealed to us about about touch specifically, and then also that the lyrics came from the music, which mm -hmm. again is another yeah. window into the, the, um, the I the, uh, so the underworking uh, of that track. I think no, uh, the album. Uh, that 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 seems to be a common thread throughout the yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Panda Bear comes in. They've got a lot. They've got that melody laid down, yeah. and they asked him to sing stuff over it. He yeah, yeah. freestyled. Uh, from what I can understand, Panda Bear freestyled those, those yeah those um, lyrics to that song. Yeah. So a lot of and and Todd Edwards the same. Like they wrote that song and and then developed the lyrics afterwards. Like I think they're not they, lyrics guys. I think that's oh, part of it. No, they never have been. Like they like the most lyric heavy songs, Digital Love, they didn't write any of those. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um the the songs the songs that they wrote the lyrics to are around like the around world. the world. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> one more time. Yeah. Like, uh, um, so uh, they they let the music dictate the lyrics. The right. the feeling of the song comes from the the melody, and then uh, the actual words get developed around that. That's so, always been them. So Paul Williams. Uh, he lets us know flat out how he feels about working with the, the, the opportunity and, and the process of working with that Funk in this next clip. For, for me, listening to myself at that moment, I feel I sound so vulnerable. I sound so little, you know. And I've spent my entire life trying to be big. Kidding, I'm president and chairman of the board of ASCAP. Blah, 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 you know. Glug, 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 me, 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 me. And what I think is the prettiest that I've ever sounded is when I'm allowing myself to be honest and vulnerable. And they gave me that opportunity. So this has been a real gift for me. This has been a real gift. I mean, you can't get any hipper any more current, any more adventurous, any more courageous in the world of music than Daft Punk. And for somebody of my age, at, at, at this point in my life, to all of a sudden have an opportunity to be picked up by these guys and set down in the middle of this, at this vulnerable, sweet, sweet little moment, is a wonderful gift. Cute. That really rocks. It yeah. really rocks. And and that... It, he spent it, his great, whole life, great. like... Yeah. Like trying to do this thing and like the way like the way he talks about it in terms of like who he was when he was famous. Yeah. And who he is now. It's that's really yeah. Yeah, fascinating. It's, it's, it's cool. That was the the point that I wanted to touch on there is exactly that. Like he did this rock star fame, you know, forty something tonight show appearances, but he was it was at a time in his life where he was not what he wanted to be. Yeah. You know, he was in some type of active addiction. Um and now to you know, to be set as he said, set down in the middle of the most courageous and ambitious you know it's artistic like a, project, uh, and and he says flat out, this is the best he's ever sounded. Yeah, it's it's like it's like like Henry Fonda in on Golden Pond or whatever. Yeah, right? like this illustrious career, trying to be bigger than life, and then the most effective you are as an artist is just this quiet, yeah, movie about being an old man in on Golden Pond. Right, it's just yeah. like. These these moments where these guys who try to push to be uh, the hugest personalities and the biggest things, the moment that they let themselves be vulnerable, they tap into something that they never knew Daft was possible. Punk would not have had a good collaboration with Paul Williams at the beginning of their career. No, if they had worked with him on no. homework. That would have been a miserable experience. I mean, they don't the have a uh, you know like who would they, that today? Who would that be? That would be like what Kanye West or something like that. Somebody who's like, whose personal stuff gets, it is it, it about, it's about, yeah. I mean, I don't know if Kanye, I don't want to throw Kanye yeah. there or whatever, but, but you know I what know, I mean? Yeah, Just somebody who it's, it would be about them. It wouldn't be about the art or the music right, or the collaboration. Yeah. They don't have anybody like that on this album. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's not by chance. They chose people um, at a, a pace that they wanted to choose people. And, and and it's all collaborators. I mean, collaborator series is the right word for yeah. this because it is, it's, it is that. It is funny that in the middle of that clip, he's like, you don't get hipper, you don't get cooler, you don't get now than these two 40, mid-40s-year Frenchmen. But, like, I mean, this is Daft like, Punk. This talking? is Daft he's Punk. Correct, I mean, he's correct yeah. at this time especially. Um, uh, in 2013, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Daft Punk's coming off of – changing the face of this music their with billboard, a live 2007 their billboard was the star of coachella yeah, yeah i mean yeah. like it's 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 hard to contextualize uh 
outside of this because I live in this, live and breathe in this world. Yeah. Uh, like, does does an Ed Sheeran fan know know Daft Punk or like does the does the average like uh uh I, at work the other the other week I had um the concert footage on mute on the TV while I was listening to music from the bar and one of the uh cooks like went outside to smoke a cigarette and walked back in and was like oh those are those um those those guys that wear the yeah, yeah um those are the the guy that with the helmet right they never I take would those be off. I, I would like, be able to recognize you know like but he, but they like they no but it, my point my point being like I don't know anything about country right yeah I, I don't know anything about country if you put a lineup of people and said pick Keith Urban out I have no idea who that is no. if you put a lineup up and, and if I don't know anything about electronic music and the robots are there I know that's Daft Punk right so I think Daft Punk has that I mean that's what what they can accomplish the, is yeah. whether you know them or not you can identify them and you can at that point, if they're somewhere, it's something important. Yeah, you know whether you like their music or know of them in that l- sure. that level. You know, you know. I I don't know. Is Daft Punk more? You know, if you just have a lineup of stars, is Daft Punk the one that jumps out at you? I, I, think, I don't know. I think, I think, I think the robots the general... might be the the the, the look <sighs> of the robots. Nah, I no. I think if you if you picked if you picked to... a a generally uh like underground unconscious and I mean, person in like 2013 mid- yeah yeah uh, like off the street and said who's who's this person and you held lady gaga up and who's who are these guys L- late i mean like there, the there's there's no, best, there's no there's no the comparing. second best selling record of the year this year was the marshall mathers lp2 yeah. it's like when i but when there's I, a but, different thing but between being cutting edge and hip and being yeah recognizable that's true i think true. he's There's correct a, yeah uh i have i i struggle to find like the lasting global uh recognizability between yeah somebody like eminem who everyone in the world knows or michael jackson who everyone in the world knows and and daft punk like i think what, if you how, went how to truly, a, if like, you went to a, a bunch I, of like, different festivals of different yeah. genres right yeah and if you if you had to if you're say, a fan of music you it, know who daft punk is i'm just saying you know it, what i mean and, and it's regardless of genre yes. i think that's what yes. things are missed if but you're some, if you're like a generally uncurious person about music i don't know i don't know how deep the cultural like the cultural like if you're a, if I you're know, a rap I guy I, I, I you know daft know. punk in a lineup you know if you're a country guy you know daft punk in a lineup if you're a jazz guy you can recognize daft punk in a lineup i think that that's what they have is a a I don't at, know. at I a don't level know. yeah and if they are in a lineup what crime have they committed <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, you guys that's that's paul williams like, we, we like, tangent like, it off um, of paul williams like uh there there's n- no, I don't know. There's no way that they are have saturated as much as deeply as like Beyonce. Look right? at their Q score. I don't know. Like I, I'm at, curious. You can look up Q score. My, like my, I don't know when, what a Q when score I started is. this. My I'll sister, like, my sister, my sister. When I, we started this, like I was texting her about the show and said, like, yeah, I'm like getting good at finding translated uh, interviews. And she was like, why? She like you know that didn't that didn't mean anything. Like Beyonce, but what, how many people difference? know where Beyonce's from? Right? I mean, like I, I can yeah. recognize where Beyonce. I mean, Beyonce. Oh, was, I mean, like from a country, Texas. like Texas, Texas, yeah, yeah Texas, right. But Texas. but like my my point being, I, I don't know that you need to know that that Daft Punk is from 
from France to under, to know who Daft Punk is. I, okay, you know? so I I just I I have uh, my only point. My only point yeah. here is I don't know how culturally saturated they are for the general uncurious person, right? Like Beyonce, how like could you compare their cultural saturation to somebody like Beyonce, or is it more somebody like? Um, like Julian Costa, like I don't know, I don't know. I would I say don't that know. they are much more recognizable to general public than Julian Costa, but not. But right? okay, so beyond, like, how, like everyone in the world generally knows who they Beyonce don't is. seem out of place in a conversation. You know, in the early days of title, right? Yeah. They don't seem out of place when it's Jay Z, Jack White, and the robots talking about the quality of music. They don't know those see, C3. Generally, I would say generally that. So Daft Punk is way more culturally relevant than Jack White. See, but that that's, to me, I think like that. Right, but I don't I think that Jack White is a titan in in the way that in the garage rock style of the sure. world, a, like a titan at a level sure. that like that, you know, here in Detroit, we don't think about that. And I think that Daft Punk is much more saturated than you think because you're so close to it. Uh, yeah, I just like I, I'm so I'm so I, into the world of um, dance music that I think sometimes maybe I underestimate the cultural yeah. reach of reach of dance right. music, especially of Daft Punk. I think in, in this just in this last five minutes, I, I think uh, that Daft Punk is much more saturated than you're. You, yeah. Than you think right now. Yeah. I I have not been close to it, and I have always yeah. as as far back as I can remember, I could recognize Daft Punk while not caring one 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 drop when I was yeah That's when I was true. when I was fifteen I, or sixteen like, years I've, old. Or I've always tried I think to we like, overestimate it. I yeah. That, I've always tried to. Uh, I've always tried to figure out like, uh, can I over or underestimate their cultural reach? Because I'm so heavily invested in this, and I tend to undersell it. Like yeah. the general pop, pop, like populace doesn't care. Uh, I think things. No, like, I think I, I think we overestimate it. Like when you if you when you look up lists of the most important artists of the 21st century and stuff, they're not. They're not there. They're not. That's they're what not I'm, up yeah, there. Right. So I think I tend to. I think I critically tend to, they are like critically, critically but right. when yes. it's like if you're looking for icons of pop music. They are so not until until in the same sphere as Taylor Swift and stuff. Until right. get lucky, their highest chart topper on the Billboard Top 200 was 42. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, yeah. like one more time feels feels so um, penetrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't the general populace. I don't know. You know if that's I'm going to look much more and deeper into this. And I think this, this is, is a good point on the, on the, this on, could be on, a whole, this could be a whole side episode. I mean, I think we're going to do our look back at this and I think that this will be a, 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 another, I'll, I'm going to bring this conversation up in a in couple the, weeks. In this yeah. world, in this world, they are on the Mount Rushmore. Yes, they are. Absolutely. They are like the Titans in the world of electronic they are music the gods. and dance music for sure. But when you take a step away from this, because it's a, a world that a lot of people don't care about or have never been introduced to, where where do they line up? I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, also Some, the, yeah. the boom is after, you know, for the most part. I don't know what's going on with this list, but this list puts Aphex Twin between Tim McGraw and R. Kelly. Holy <laughs> shit. What does that mean? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get, we'll get deeper into it. But that, that's the uh, – I mean, I think that's, that's – <laughs> That's that was the last of the the collaborators. Yeah. Oh, so uh, um, those are the those are the collaborator episodes. The one major collaborator on the record that didn't get his own 
episode is Julian Casablancas, so we should mention him for a second. Uh, he's probably just as enigmatic in some ways as Tomas and Guimond, so it totally makes sense that he didn't want to sit down for something like this because he generally doesn't talk a bunch anyway. Yeah. Um, so it totally makes sense that he wouldn't have done this. Um, uh, I remember being an insomniatic 14-year-old or whatever and watching MTV well after everyone else in my house had gone to bed yeah. and seeing um seeing the single for is this it um last night yeah uh and being like blown away and yeah. like waking my mom up in the morning and be like you have to take me to Best Buy to get this album yeah uh, uh I got is this it when I was like that was one of my favorite albums uh so when I good. was uh and and I ended up and was it 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 tended to be for me. It was it because I ended up falling away from the Strokes. At, like I, I did not keep up with my Strokes fandom. My life would be very different if if I had continued my Strokes fandom the way that I loved is this it because this might right now be a Strokes podcast <laughs> instead. That's funny. <laughs> no matter what direction your life took, it would end with you doing a, a hyper fixated podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that this would still be happening, but I'd the still content be. <laughs> would be wildly different. <laughs> I would still, I, you two would be different. I would still be doing this with two, two other idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Two other idiots. That's great. Oh, um, geez. So, so, so yeah, we'll we'll talk more about the song specifically. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to mention that he was on there. If you want to know what he's up to, read that profile of him that just came out. It's the most oh, yeah. in-depth interview he's given probably in ten years or whatever. Yeah, it's good. And uh, low key, uh, instant crush is a lot of Daft Punk fans' favorite tune. It's a good one. It's not. It's. I think it's the one. We'll talk track by track, but I think it's one of those ones that spans genres a little better than some of the uh, some yeah. of the others. I guess I don't know. We'll talk. We'll talk. More it is. In depth it's about a it. proper. It's a proper like single. It is. Yes. Um, which a lot of Daft Punk stuff just never is. Like it's yeah. just they. It's constructed like a single and it's sung like a single. That's it. Like you know, yeah. it's a great song. Um, um. So it just hits, as the kids say, it hits different. Yeah. Um, just every, every week, um, each of us like to highlight a song unrelated to Daft Punk, but in the world of dance music, uh, at the end of our episodes, just something that we've locked into recently. It could be a brand new song. It could be uh, something old that we rediscovered. It could be something old that we just discovered for the first time. I don't know. We just like sharing dance music with y'all. Um, so, uh, uh, I'll do, I'll go first. Uh, I'm doing Rampa this week. This is the track 2000. That's some Berlin shit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it it just it sounds like uh, it sounds like a club anthem that's been around forever, but it's a uh, it's a new track. Uh, yeah. I love it so much. I can't stop listening to it. Someone's got to make you. <laughs> Somebody has to tie me down and make me. My my wife's tried to make me stop. She 
tries to make me listen to like soothing like mandolin music or whatever and i can't <laughs> i've gotten like even even if i'm like tied down to the bed i've gotten good at changing spotify with my tongue or whatever <laughs> great great man great <laughs> Oh gee. I picked uh Spin by Luxury. It's a new EP that just came out last week on Shall Not Fade, one of my favorite labels, and uh Groovy Tune. Some, some a little Todd Edwardsian like yeah like spacing in there it's bouncy it's got weird vocals and sometimes this is a fault of my own music but I like it in this song the way it introduces elements give the impression that it's either speeding up or slowing down as they introduce the snare sometimes it feels like yeah. it's yep. kind of warping the the tempo of the track it sounds very cool yeah dig it luxury is one like an act to like keep an eye out on yeah. i don't i don't know how many people it is i don't know who it is but we've played luxury in this bit before yeah, we played times. one fellow do we, this forever it's just you, one yeah we've, we've played ago. do this forever yeah. before uh, this is a new ep there's some very exciting stuff happening from luxury and yeah. i think it's an act to like definitely keep an eye out on that's l-x-u-r-y right? yeah yeah awesome uh so you guys know uh because i can't stop talking about it i've been on the chemical brothers kick of a lifetime. I, I, I can't stop listening to chemical brothers lately. Uh, and I'm going to, my song today is uh, it's, it's probably my favorite track off of their, their newest album, their ninth album, no geography. Uh, it is called we've got to try. Yeah. That is one of the the that specific moment in that track is one of the hardest hitting moments on that whole album, and I am here for and it. Front to back, perhaps of their career. Yeah, truly, I, truly. Those breaks. I, 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 um, I did not spend enough time with No Geography up until you know a couple a couple Damn, weeks back. Guys, really, I we tried. really did. I mean, you told us, I and tried. I was like, and similar to what Devin said before <laughs> this, like. You know, there are some tracks that and stuff that that we, we visited. We listened to a lot of No Geography here and there, but like, yeah. like I can't a year ago, stop. I, told, I I was like, hey guys, No Geography is like really good. It's and really front good. to back. Um, it it might be it might be their best album ever, which is crazy to say about yeah a band that is thirty years old. It, it it's a it's something that I've been thinking about recently because there are so many genres where the uh the legends or whatever just start farting out crap yeah. and become leg- like uh um yeah uh, legacy. legacy acts yeah. right and there's something really interesting happening with dance music now where there are a bunch of acts that have been around forever that are possibly producing their best music right now yeah so these guys justice 
uh, uh, digitalism. Uh, we've talked about the stuff that Boys Noise is doing yeah. right now. There's a bunch of people that have been around for over a decade that are right now doing their best shit, uh, and which is really crazy for an, an industry and a genre that has always been fueled by youth and new acts. I'm very excited for I, I some of this excited. stuff. Uh, even even like Skrillex is yeah. is changing styles. Even like, like Claude Von Stroke put out that crazy new EP that is like a completely different style shift. There's a lot of people that have been around the industry for a really long time that are doing like are uh, experimenting and putting out new really smart music. Uh, and some of their best work, and I'm very excited for it because if we can get a bunch of people that know what they're doing, putting out awesome music, things uh, things are looking bright. Yeah. So next week we've got track our, by track, track by track. We track. got the memories part. Ram, Ram after dark. Memories. Yeah, we've got our memories part. Wow, I'm excited for that. Me too. Um, I've made no secret about the fact that it's my favorite album, not of that punk. I'm ever. I am gonna probably agree with you, and if you said please, I will see. It's not we'll my see. favorite album of all time, but I love this record. It's my favorite album of all time, and anybody that says otherwise can fuck off. <laughs> if, it, if Ram is not your we'll favorite, we'll bury this part in the end of the episode. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, yeah we're right. three hours in, so I just I'm just kindly inviting you to fuck off if Ram is not your favorite <laughs> record of all time. <laughs> uh, so come back for that next week. We are quickly approaching the end of this little project. Oh yeah. Um, so we've got uh, a handful of episodes left for you that are centered solely around Daft Punk. I mean, who knows what the future may hold? That's all we I'll can't, say. We know we can't stop talking. We can't stop talking. You know we can't stop talking. Yeah. We've we found a little audience of people that like hearing us talk about this stuff, uh, which has given our family uh, uh, great relief. I so I was telling I was telling my wife about last week's episode, and I was like. Yeah, we recorded for like two hours and 45 minutes um, last week. Uh, we decided to split the random access memory coverage up into three episodes. And she's like, yeah, you should split that up. That's a long episode. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> this like, three dad, hours is one so, third. Of I was like, that three hours, that's one episode. Right? And then we've got two more going. And then I was like, there my, are there are hundreds my of My dad goes, the other day my dad goes, uh, yeah, I'm trying to listen to your podcast, but why – is this a two and a half hour episode, you asshole? Yeah. Is what he says yeah. to me. So I, 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 I was like, so. yeah, yeah, he gets it. So I was like, no, there's like that's one episode. We've got two more to go. And then I was like, yeah, there's like a bunch of people. There's hundreds of people all over the world that love listening to my me talk to my friends for three hours a week about Daft Punk. And my wife goes, better them than me. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. So that's so. Thank you, folks, for listening. Oh yeah. To us, talk about Daft Punk because we're gonna do it to somebody. So might as well be you. My name's Andy. You can find me on Instagram at Andy Reed. Andy Reed R E I D is how you spell Reed, or at Dr Good Tweets on Twitter. Uh, my name's Darren. You can find me at the most Darren on all the social medias. Uh, I do video game stuff at DSG Gaming. I produce music as a bomb bomb. Look into all that stuff. Follow me on Spotify. I'm Devin Jetski, like the watercraft. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, with that, we will be back next week with the track by track uh, analysis and conversation about Ram. Hello, everyone. Alive 2021 is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid, developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit alive2021.com.